Hello. Okay. Surprise call in. I'm actually going to, I had a meeting, but I thought I had a meeting, but I don't have a meeting. So here I am. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to let me make sure I share this. I'm just going to share it on Substack as well. Cause I know I usually do it after the show. So people are probably like, what is happening? Um, and just do that. Okay. So I was going to do it on Thursday, but then also like, I thought I was meeting with someone, but apparently not. Anyway, I am here now. <laughs> All right. So I published that there and I think we're good. Okay. Where do I even begin? So a couple of things have happened, apparently. Um, I have to put my volume on medium. Sorry. Volume, media. Okay. And I think so. Okay. So a couple of things have, have happened apparently within the past like 24 hours. That was really interesting to me. Um, and I figured I should probably come on to explain a couple of things that happened. Um, I just got like, since I left the stream, I just got notifications about Richie Medhurst. I guess um, something happened with his channel as well. And... I saw someone say something about the gray zone too, although I haven't checked the gray zone yet to see if their stream is still there from today. My stream is still there, but like I wasn't hit with the same thing. Like I got copyright. I was trying to wait till more people join before I explained this. So I don't have to explain it again. And then let me just make sure I did. Um, okay. Yeah. I got it public. Okay. So. Yeah. All right. So I was trying to like basically wait and see because I have had this happen before with streams where I was one time I was showing a clip from the view and all of a sudden like the live stream just paused <laughs> and I got that same notification where it said interrupted for this has been interrupted for whatever violations, that kind of thing. Um, by the way, feel free to call in guys. Um, this has been interrupted because of copyright match. And so I was like, oh, okay. But I just waited for a minute, stopped showing the content and then the stream came back. So I figured that was what I would have to do this time. So I just waited for a minute and let the stream come back. So the thing is that I've noticed is that apparently, and I've never had this issue before, I've shown like Russell Brand stuff like on my show like multiple times, but now apparently I guess you can't show Russell Brand's like content on your show. And I, I'm assuming that, um, I'm assuming it's because like he's no longer monetized by YouTube, my best guess is that he probably gave the rights 
to YouTube or not to YouTube, but he probably gave the rights to his content to Rumble. So that's my best guess. But either way, his content now falls under copyright match tool. Now, that's a little bit different from, that's not like a copyright strike. What it means is that somebody else owns that content and has acknowledged that they own that content. So Russell Brand has chosen to do that now. And Eric, I'll just go ahead and bring you up as a invite to speak. And so going forward, I won't be able to show Russell Brand's like content on my show anymore. So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like, I guess I'm, I shouldn't be surprised because of the fact that again, um, YouTube demonetized Russell Brand's channel. So after that, what he probably did was make it so that his stuff was, he had copyright for his material, um, on, yes. Yeah, so I just got the notification now. Let me tell you what it says. A copyright owner using content ID has claimed some material in your video. This video is live in the visibility settings you selected remain applied to it, but it is now either being monetized by the copyright owner or they have chosen to receive analytics about it. And when I look under who claimed it, it says Rumble Inc. This is not a copyright strike. The claim does not affect your account status. So again, like I wouldn't be surprised getting this from like if I showed CBS or something like that, but I've shown Russell Brand's content on my show multiple times, as you guys know, you're familiar with. So that tells me this is a new thing, which means that now Rumble now owns Russell Brand's content. So, and actually to be safe going forward, I'm not gonna show any Rumble videos on my streams because now I'm starting to wonder, what if Rumble does this with Glenn Greenwald? What if Rumble does this with Kim Iverson? Those people that have those contracts with Rumble, they could do that with them too. Let's bring in Steven. What's up, Steven? How are you? Uh, I witnessed your uh, your uh, blip on YouTube there. I was like, what the hell is this? Mm -hmm. So then someone, I think it might have been Eric or someone, uh, Type down in the comments. Uh, she's on. She's on. But uh, I, I, I was going back and forth listening to you and Glenn Greenwald for that whole time. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, you know, I'll, I'd pick up some phrases you were saying. I'd pick up something. So I was like dueling banjos. There. So anyway, uh, yeah. Um, there, you, you can't. You can't. You can't commit more crime in justification of, you know, going against someone who commits a crime. I mean, I mean, you can't do that. And you know, I, I how how are you going to separate them? What what's fair? How do you do that? I, I just don't. I just don't see. I mean, I saw Net on on Glenn's program. I. You know, I saw Netanyahu trying to uh, parallel uh, the axis of evil from the George Bush days. And I'm like, come on, give me a break. Anyway, I enjoyed your um, I enjoyed your show tonight.
And, um, you know, I enjoyed Glenn's also. But uh, keep up the good work, kid. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I know. It's it's a crazy mess right now. It's just, it's a lot going on. I just, I mean, this whole issue with Israel and Palestine, like for me, I just feel like, oh my God, so many people are still, they still don't get this issue. They're so wrong on this issue. And that's why like, I feel like I have to repeat myself on my show when I say, you know, when I'm criticizing the state of Israel, I'm not criticizing Jewish people. Okay, so there's the, the Israel state government. Jewish people is a separate thing. Because some people will hear that and there's like, oh, you're attacking Jewish people. No, we're not. We're not. And there's a difference between being Jewish and being a Zionist. Not everyone who's Jewish is, is a Zionist. In fact, I don't know any, I don't know any Jewish people that are Zionist. So I think that's the thing that like people have to understand. It's just like the same thing when people say Hamas. And they're talking about the Palestinian people. All of the Palestinian people are not Hamas. And we have to push back on this rhetoric, you guys. Like, I just, because that, that type of rhetoric, it spreads. And people who are not familiar with this conflict, they'll hear that and they'll think that all Palestinian people are terrorists. And that is not the case. And I heard this type of claims, like after 9-11, I heard people make those same kind of claims. So it's really important that we educate people. And it makes me mad. When people like uh, Anderson Cooper and all them, they're like, oh, well, you know, Hamas is da 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 da. And I'm like, the, the people, the Palestinian people who are not being given water and food and electricity, that is because of the fact that the resources are controlled by the state of Israel. Like, they should be able to have access to their own food, their own water. Like, why does it have to come through the Israeli state government? So, this is why, this is one of those things where I think some people will look at this and they'll say, this is exactly why they don't want government in their life. I think that's why some people will say that because of a situation like this. Anything else, Stephen? If not, I'll bring it on to Tori. No, just, um, just uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to bring in Notori. You are on the mic. What's up, Notori? Hello. I was just calling to say um, I'm glad you got Rumble because that's the place I went to right after you got suspended for a minute. <laughs> but, yes, I'm glad y'all got you and um, RBN got that. But it's just these last few weeks the last two weeks just being disgusting from our government because it's like they can't play the same old games no more that they used to play because we have social media it's like we see and know everything and some people i feel like a lot of people is choosing to be stupid because i understand because i do understand you can um be for the israel people and not for the government and you can be for palestinian people and not for their government and the thing is, I have a good feeling something is going to happen. Like, my gut always right, and sometimes it's wrong, but not hardly, but hoping it's wrong this time because I have a bad feeling that, um, like I said before, something is going to happen to us, the citizens of the United States, because of the dumb shit that our government is doing. 
Yeah. I mean, I can see that too, you know, like it's the story tonight about the six-year-old little boy. Six-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. And like, like if war was to ever come here, I don't trust these motherfuckers in Congress to protect us. They can't fight their way out of a paper fucking bag. They barely know what's going on like in the streets where they know, but they don't care. And what I've seen these last two weeks, I can clearly see that they don't give up. Like, I already knew they didn't give a fuck about us, but it just made it clear, like Nikki Haley, um, Lady Graham, it just made it clear that long as they make their money, it's all self-interest. Fuck everybody and fuck everybody over there too. Yeah, no, I I totally hear you. And I think like it's another one of those things too where it's like mm, people feel like, I don't know, like some people kind of feel like, like we shouldn't really talk about this, like that kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, we have to talk about it. Like we, we have to, like we can't just, we can't just not discuss it because it's not happening to us. And I got to tell you guys, like when I went to the protest, like in Boston, I was not expecting that many people to show up because it was raining. Like, you know, so it was raining off and on. And I was like, well, I'm here now. I have an umbrella. I was not expecting that many people to show up. So I was surprised. I'm glad you cover it because I am glad for social media because a lot of people wouldn't know if it weren't for social media. A lot of people wouldn't know all this was going on because the um, mainstream media is not covering it. And if they covering it, they lie about it. Like they lie about what the protest really is. It's just a mess. Well, you guys saw like tonight the BBC had to like retract their statement because they were saying things, you know, they were saying things like that basically like demonize like the Palestinian, like the protesters for the Palestinian side, not just Palestinian people, because as you guys saw, like there were all different types of people that came to the protests in Boston. It's not just people who are Palestinian, you know, and so the, the way that they, they basically demonize those people, it just made me feel some kind of way. And I'm just like, we're all being smeared. They're, they're, they were basically, mainstream media, they were basically smearing the protesters at the Palestinian rallies. They were saying we were, we were basically, we're cheering for terrorism. That's what they said. And no, we're, we're, we're cheering and asking for the occupation to end. Right. And then the um like these videos, like I don't know if y'all saw it. It's the video of them pissing on dead bodies, look like they've been dead for two days. I and saw they that. were kicking it. That was crazy as fuck to me. Like how like how come what kind of person can do that? Like it's just crazy, like something you never will see, like real life. That's crazy to me. I saw that video, and you know, when I saw that video, I told myself, 
I sincerely hope no one shows that on. The, I, I, I hate to say I have to think about this way. I was like, I sincerely hope no one shows that on YouTube because yeah. YouTube will come for you for that one. Like it's just like people need to see it, but it's just you know. Mm -hmm. And see, Elon Musk, like I will give him credit for this. He kind of just lets that shit fly on Twitter. Yeah. Like he's not coming in and trying to remove I'm that type of content. Is. Yep, I'm glad he is because like I don't fuck with him either, but he, I'm glad he letting it out because like letting a lot of this stuff out because and they doing a big retraction. Even Lady Graham is changing how he talked because I don't know, did some Muslims run up on him or they made some calls to him? Because it's like a lot of people, like for a week in the government and Congress and Nikki Haley, she ain't changed hers yet. But the way they talking about it now, it's like, it's a big 360 from what they were saying three, four days ago. Do you think it's because that little boy died? Um, I think it's a lot of things. I think um they got um some calls. I think they see the ties are turning, the um protest. And when I saw that shit with Nikki Haley talking about um finish them, baby, I can sit here. I wanted to walk that bitch like a dog. Yeah, I hate to tell people, but she was my my governor when I lived in South Carolina. This is exactly how she is. She is a war hawk. She's terrible. This is exactly how she feels about those people. And Nikki Haley, like, she seems to forget how people treated her. She seems to forget the things that people said to her when she ran for governor in South Carolina. The names wow. that they called her, the rate, the racial things, like, they called her terrorist. Right. I did some research, the bitch lightened her skin and she, um, she, I found out she didn't change. Well, she did change. She added names because her name is the Indian name and she add Nikki Haley to sound more white. And I seen, um, pictures of her when she was younger, she was darker mm -hmm. and her, um, and her, where she was from and her family came over here, they were, um, some some black people do it too, but in India, her culture, her kind um group of people, they lighten their skin. It was something about um so they don't look dirty and poor class, and they call them dirty foot, dirty feet, dirty foots. And I'm like, bitch, you should know better. Yeah, that she. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly who Nikki Haley is. And so, if anybody wants her for president. If you thought George Bush was a war hawk, if you thought that, you know, I mean, Obama was still kind of war hawk too. He bombed a lot of people. If you guys thought that they were bad, she's crazy. She's she's crazy. I, always yeah, I mean, there's also this idea of like treating these representatives like they're actual human beings, like like these are not like real actualized people. I mean. You know, these are just basically recipients, you know, just empty servants of the of the billionaire class is really what the government is populated by. I think it's almost a mistake, like, to act like they have actual feelings or morals. Mm -hmm. I try my best not to make it a us thing, but it's hard because you see what they're doing to them. 
and then you look and see like all this money that our tax dollars going to, but yet y'all want to cut every damn thing. And I already see, I done made a status about this. I already know in 2024, I already know they're going to win big. GOP going to win big, the House, the Senate, and Donald Trump, even if it's not Donald Trump, Donald Trump going to be president or somebody, and that's their chance to cut SSI, SSA, military benefits, because it's like people, like, they still not, like, stuff is worse. I'm talking about worse now, but it can get worse. So people don't think in America stuff can't get no worse, but it can and that's what I feel that's going to happen in 2024. We, it's, shit is crazy now, but I feel like it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, it kind of doesn't matter. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. It kind of doesn't matter. I know we got the delay. <laughs> it, it kind of doesn't matter which member of the Uniparty gets elected, right? I mean, they all, you know, they, they like to act like it's different, but. You know, they're variations of the same thing. The, you know, to, to me, the the only possibility of, of electing someone that would make a real difference would be Cornell West. You know, I guess anyone else would get in there and make a difference. So that's why, you know, I'm. I agree with that because I like it's like a lot of stuff I don't really care for in his campaign no more. But he is the only one I'm going to um, vote for because his um, policies. But even if he's not going to win. It's just a movement that I hope that just keep growing because I don't see nothing. I see the rich keep getting rich and their kids going to be okay, but I don't see nothing for the people like me that's even doing worse than me that's living paycheck to paycheck. I don't see nothing changing for the homeless, the poor, and the working poor. Yeah, I mean, it's all about extraction. I mean, it's all this funneling that that money upwards i mean the, there is that chart where you see the the top that top point one percent you know just the wealth just getting getting larger and larger i mean that that wealth and those resources come from somewhere <laughs> you know that that that's that's extraction that that's theft from all of us and so the the challenge is is to make a mass movement that's that's animated by that right I want to ask um, really quick, in reference to, um, I don't, I, I received a couple emails about this. So just FYI, guys, this came from a couple different people. It, it's been brought to my attention. Um, I guess that some people are now disheartened by Cornell West's uh, campaign because of Something that I guess an appearance from Ajamu Baraka, and I haven't. Well, when Ajamu was RBN last, he went pretty hard at West. I thought I was actually listening to it on the way into the protest yesterday. Okay, because I received a couple of emails of people saying that they're they're not looking forward to it now because of, I guess, some statements that Ajamu Baraka said. So. Yeah, I mean. Um, I, I, so you, know, I, you think I, it's, they're referring to the RBN interview? Because I saw that. Well, I mean, I can say personally, I, I didn't like the comments. I mean, I, I thought he went much too hard. And, you know, the, the conversation should be more about 
you know, how can we coalesce as the 99% and, you know, I don't and know just everyone about... interested in justice. Sorry, go ahead, Natori. I don't know nothing about this new, <laughs> I don't know nothing about this new thing, but it's just, I was, I'm going to be honest, I was going to hold for his campaign at first, but now it's like, it's like, I'm going to vote for him, but it's like, uh, it's like, I really, like, I just hope the movement gets strong because I already know deep down for sure, I already know he ain't going to win, but I'm glad he's running, but I already know and from what I see on, because um, Joe Biden is so bad, I already know it's going to be a, just a big red, just a big Republican win next year. And they already winning. Like, it's, um, I forgot what state it was. They had, Democrats had, um, I think, the governorship um, for um, ever since 2016. And now it's um, back in Republican hands. So it's. All right. Well, yeah, I think I think the thing that you know that Ajamu said that I also I mentioned to Dr. West when he came on last time, which is the fact of the ballot access issue. And I did make that very clear to him that like it is going to be hard for you as an independent to get ballot access in a state like California or Texas. Like I was very clear to him. I showed him what the numbers need to be. So I don't think he understood, like, even when you talk about Ralph Nader, Ralph Nader, yes, as an independent, he was able to get around, I think, 40, maybe, actually, it was like 30, 35 states, and then um, I think he was right in for a couple, but the problem, the thing is, when Ralph Nader ran as a Green Party candidate, he got more ballot, he got more states, so that was the thing is like, I keep hearing, I heard Dr. West mentioned 30 states. I heard Peter, Peter was saying 40 states. Dr. West was saying 30 states. And I'm thinking to myself like, yeah, but if you were still with the Green Party, you could get on, you could get 50 states. So that, that was the thing. I mean, I think the way we should be looking at it is that this, it, there's, there's this roiling discontent out there. And so the, the the challenge for the West campaign is to capture that. You know, this is about numbers. This is about getting millions of people energized and ready, you know, ready to jump in on the campaign, ready to jump in on a movement. And if, if you don't do that, then all this ballot access stuff really doesn't amount to much. I mean, even if if they do get a certain level of ballot access and they get, you know, one or two percent, it's like, you know, so what? It's like another Green Party year. But if they if they leverage the, these millions, this discontent, and really really tie into something, then then not only is the ballot access going to be easy because you're going to have these millions of people energized and pushing on it, but that can propel you all the way to the prize. I mean that you know if you can really capture what's out there, and so I I think. You know, I, I think it's a mistake to get focused on the ballot access this way or that way or whatnot. And I, I think the focus should be on on the movement, on engaging people. And personally, I, I think corruption is the tool, money and corruption, to hook into people. 
And if you can engage that and, and get that rolling and become the center of that as the West campaign, then then the sky's the limit. And I think if you don't do that, then you know it's just another another day in the usual. Yeah, the last Go ahead, thing, Tori, and then I'm gonna bring in JB because JB's yeah. here. What's up, JB? The last thing I was gonna say was, um, I just feel like with the West campaign, the end. I'm, you know me, I'm a straight shooter. The energy ain't there. It's not like when, um, I feel like the people are tired and tired of getting played. I wish the energy was there more, but it's just I feel like people are tired. And I just want somebody to come on the scene. To be honest, not like Donald Trump, but I do. The only thing I like about Donald Trump is he give it to, he give it to the um his party, and he give it to the media. And I just want somebody to come out, give it to the media, give it to both parties. And when they get in there, they fire a lot of the people that's in that bitch because ain't nothing gonna change if they don't go in there and fire a lot of the people that's in there. And yes, the media is going to go crazy, but who gives a fuck if they, like, get rid of some of them people, the status quo that's in there. But that's it. I wanted to give it to the billionaires. That's where the real power is. Yeah, I think part of the problem is, and, and I'll bring in JP here in just a second. I think part of the problem is, like, when no, um, Notori says, like, the energy just doesn't seem to be there. I think part of the problem is there was a lot of energy in the beginning, but then the switching of of parties here and there, like so close together, I think it's it's made some people become demotivated. And I think that's, you know, been part of it. JB, what's up? You just got to unmute. Just got to hit the unmute button. That JB playing with us. No, that is him. He told me he was going to join, but you have to unmute. It's down in the left, the bottom left corner. Yeah, messing with him. But yeah, I mean, you know, it it does seem to have kind of worked out with the West campaign that it's like, it's like, it's, it's like what the establishment would want to happen, right? that it has this big splash at the beginning and then everybody gets doubts and these controversies happen and then all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, I don't know about Dr. West. Hello? I think you're breaking up. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? We can hear you, but you're breaking up. Are you on Wi-Fi? Disconnect and reconnect or something. Yeah, you you might you might want to try to disconnect and reconnect, JB, because you're you're breaking up. No, you're you're breaking up. Like you're. Let me just text you. Okay. Oh, anyway, I thought we. I'm using uh, my. I think this is. So I just texted you and said you're breaking up. It might be easier on the laptop. Some people have 
it easier on the laptop because you can still call in from the laptop. Just FYI. But go ahead. I was just saying we were so close to JB's inaugural appearance on here, I think. (laughs) Someone said in the comments he might be using Bluetooth. Uh, it's hard to know. Someone also was asking what was the picture of um, of soldiers peeing on somebody, and and I, I don't I don't know if the picture was totally verified, but it was supposedly um, uh, Israeli soldiers peeing on like Palestinian bodies. You know, it was pretty um, a pretty gross picture. But, so I didn't um, see. I didn't really look into it enough to to verify it, but. I didn't see a picture. I saw a video. Oh, a video? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was a video. But was that all verified? Of course, it looked like there was certainly something really bad. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I wasn't going to share it on YouTube. I know that's for sure. Let's go ahead and bring in Brady. Um, next caller. What's going on, Brady? Just got- Mute. Reflecting. What's up? Good work. I saw you at the rally out there. Appreciate that. It's cool. And um, I just want to say that I'm tripping out over this whole narrative of like the Israel-Palestine conflict of like the Belflower Declaration, where it was like Britain that gave Palestine to Israel, supposedly in this declaration. And I'm just like kind of curious about the history. I'm wondering, like, did Britain own Palestine? Like, was Palestine Britain's to give away? And wouldn't it have made more sense for Britain to maybe give some of their territory to uh, the people for their own state, if that's what they wanted? Well, from what I gathered, it seemed like they didn't want to kick out Europeans because that's another thing that people brought up. Like, why wasn't territory given to them in Europe? Why was it let's kick out Arabic people and give them territory there? So, it's it's really interesting, but and, at one point, and Colin talked about this, at one point they wanted to, they were looking at Uganda. Before Palestine, they were looking at Uganda. So either way, they were just trying to kick out people of color. And the majority of the, of the Jewish people, I think, that went to Israel actually came from Russia. And Russia's got, they could have just... I'm pretty sure they could have found a place in Russia that would have been friendly to all of them. And there's a lot of room up there too. I mean, just Texas, like Israel is 8,630 square miles. I think right now, that's how big it is. 8,000 square miles. Texas for some context is 268,596 square miles. So like, we're talking about a very small piece of land is being fought over right here. And I think that if we were to offer them a place to stay in a safer, more accommodating location, it would highlight the hypocrisy of the situation that's going on and the true reasons and motivations for why they're going after this specific piece of land. And that would be an interesting conversation. And, uh, but yeah, appreciate all the good work you're doing. I'm going to, pass the joint to Amanda and uh, go to an open mic. And I hope you guys all have a totally cool, groovy night. All right. Awesome, Brady. Okay. Let's bring in Amanda. You are on the mic. What's up, Amanda? JB, I invited you as a speaker. You just have to accept it. 
Hey, how are you doing tonight? Thank you for being here on call in still. These conversations, I find them quite useful. Um, I just wanted to speak briefly on the Cornell West. I'm glad he's running as an independent. And, and I have put together, because I'm a weird weirdo, I put together a spreadsheet, a Google Sheets, with all of the different regulations for every state, because every state has their own regulations for how you get onto a ballot. And, and there are more states that it's easier to get on the ballot as an independent than it is as a minor party member. Yeah, I think that the problem, though, is that the big states like California and Texas be very difficult. He's going to have to raise. Yes, that is true. It is more difficult to get on the ballot in those states. And there will be challenges from the Democrats for sure. But that's all the more reason to get excited because we're actually I think there's actually uh, some battles that can be won as long as people don't lose their momentum. And I know it's really hard. This is, we're not even, we're still more than a year out. We're still more than a couple of months before he can even begin to file in any state. Technically, he's still, he's already had to file with the federal government, FEC and all that. But I just, I, I hear the despondence and I get it. And there have been some, maybe what some people would consider stumbles. I see those as a learning opportunities for a human being who is putting his life on the line because he believes it's the right thing to do. I don't think he's doing it for a grift or doing it to raise our hopes and then dash them. I, I, I think he's coming from a genuine place and seeing the change that he moved from People's Party, Green Party, now he's independent. Most people are not us. Most people don't even know who Cornell West is yet. And I don't think that it's, I don't think that we need to be worried that much. I think that we need to volunteer, get as much as you can in terms of trying to trying to help out if you don't have money and if you are lucky enough to have a little extra money, well, make sure you drop a couple bucks a month to Miss Savvy here, but also, you know, I'm not telling you to donate to a political candidate. If you don't have the money, don't do it, but if you've got time, I think we should be energized by the additional challenges, but that's me. I'm used to being an underdog, I guess. What do you think about it, Savvy? Yeah, I think part of the energy is disappearing is the recent appearance that Ajamu had where, you know, that was like his biggest. Yeah, isn't Ajamu a green though, right? Yeah, but I mean, him and... But the recent appearance that Ajamu had, he said... He told Dr. West that he was making a big mistake. And he said, and he, he wasn't just talking about the ballot access. He was talking about movement building. And he said, if you're trying to build a movement, 
You need masses of people. And he said, you're not going to get that like outside of an apparatus that is, doesn't have the mobility. So that's what Ojamu was, Ojamu was tying it back to. He was tying it back to the fact that he feels that the Green Party, they have the mobility. They have the numbers like to get people out there. No. I thought. Well, let me finish. To that, I would say if the Green Party had that mobility and those numbers to get people out there, then why haven't they been doing that all along? So to that point, I would say that. To the other point, I would say. Yeah, I was just going to say Dr. West said the same thing, too. Yeah, to, 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 to the other point, I would also say that. You know, some of the concerns that Dr. West brought up, I've got to be honest with you, it was not my first time hearing that about the Green Party. I've had Green Party candidates. I've had Green Party, you know, previous candidates um, come on to the show. Delilah has been very vocal about some of the issues that she's experienced with the Green Party. So there was nothing that Dr. West said on my show that I haven't heard from other people that have been a part of the Green Party before. And this is not to like bash the Green Party or anything. I'm just saying that. Correct, correct. And that Ajamu, he obviously thinks organizing inside the Green Party is a good idea. He's a member of the Green Party. I mean, I'm not trying, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on anybody, excuse my French, but I'm not trying to make anybody look bad. It's trying to be realistic about the possibilities and we have to remember that each of us is one person including including Cornell West and Ajamu Baraka. So so I I guess I guess I'm just really excited for a real alternative. I'm glad he's not running in the Green Party. The Green Party has had some problems and the way that you did the interview with him was wonderful. You asked him good hard questions and you didn't pull any punches I really appreciated it I think I've already said that but I think that this is also this is also we're in the ground floor things aren't pretty on the ground floor usually but we've got the energy we can do it I want to bring in JB you want to come in for a second about this because I want to get your take on this too hey JB he disappeared. Oh, he disappeared. Oh, he's back. Okay, he's back. Um, you just gotta hit unmute. Um, I know sometimes this app can be a little glitchy. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yeah, we yes, hear you loud and clear. Okay. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. This is my first time on call in, so I really appreciate the warm welcome. Yeah. Uh, in regards to the issues surrounding Dr. Cornell West and the Green Party and then leaving it subsequently into as an independent, I'm of the opinion that the only excitement that I am saving myself for is to use the messaging in his party, as well as Jasmine Sherman and Claudia De La Cruz, and using the messages from their particular, uh, their particular uh, platforms to raise 
awareness and class consciousness. I am, I understand there's a lot of people that are, have some excitement. When it comes to having excitement, the excitement is really for the platform and to get the ideas out there. Um, because I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but there is no way they will ever let someone like Dr. Cornell West get even one inch within the presidency. The point is, is to organize around the issues that he raises in order to put ourselves in a position where we can raise class consciousness and the movement starts and ends with us. It will not start or end with Dr. West. And the point is, is that this is why those of us at RBN are starting, have started chapters. This is why we focus so much on mutual aid because ultimately what is going to transpire is that he's going to get shafted in some way or another. But what we do do <laughs> is that we use his candidacy as a cudgel to ignite more people to say they're going to screw him. So instead of going through him, let us be the ones that they try to do anything with. And, and this could very well start something even bigger than a presidential campaign. And so when it comes to uh, the excitement, focus on the policies, use those as talking points to get people class consciousness so that they can be moved and educated in order to be able to go in a more progressive direction so that they won't continuously uh, shoot themselves in the foot, so to speak. Because a lot of times we will get behind a politician and we'll end up shooting ourselves in the foot in some way or the other. When in reality, it's it's kind of like going with ballot initiatives. It's, it's going, oh, instead of, you know, depending on a politician, you go around the politician. It's the same thing with this, is that we now have to go around the politician. Because the thing is, is that no matter what we do, they're not going to allow somebody who we want to be the chief representative of, of this country. So we have to do it ourselves from the ground up. And so I think that's my take on it. I know it sounds kind of Debbie Downer-ish, but I'm trying to be as realistic as possible while encouraging everybody to say, do not take this shit lying down and do not let them uh, screw over the next person who we may want. Instead, if you want it done right, do it yourself. Don't let a politician do it for you. A Amen. Can I add on to that, please? May I sure. go for it? <laughs> because here is the other thing. Yes, I bet Cornell West even knows that they are unlikely to allow him to become president. He's not a dummy. But 
here's the thing. Here's why you want to be involved. You're going to meet like-minded people. If you go and volunteer for Dr. West, you're going to meet people that have similar values to you. And you will be able to start networking instead of just through your internet and online personas, your real life in person, living, breathing in real life persona. So that is a benefit in and of itself, because, you know, you if you go to the skate park, you're going to you're going to come across skaters. If you go to a Cornell West volunteer event, guess who you're going to run into? A lot of the folks that are going to be on shows like this. A lot of people that watch a lot of the shows that all of us do. So I just wanted to add, and I appreciate that was a very rousing. Will you come to Oakland, please? Um, yeah, just, just I honestly think that you and I are seeing a lot of the same things, Miss Amanda. I think that you and I are basically kind of uh, echoing and reflecting uh, the same things as far as at least using the networking so that we can be able to build a larger coalition on the ground so that we can build, you know, class solidarity and class consciousness. So I, I just want to say I appreciate your, your thoughts. Thank you so much. I, I respect that and I appreciate the compliment. Thank you, Sabi. I will uh, let Zach get on in here. All right. So to me, where I get a little frustrated with all of this is that it just seems to me there's what's missing from this conversation is what are the policies? What are the demands? You know, what is the, the problem? What are, what's the, what are we looking to change? We're getting all caught up in, can he win? They won't let him win and whatnot. If, if you're going to have a movement, if you're going to have a general strike, if you're going to have any of the stuff, you need to have clear demands. And I, I just get frustrated. We have all these conversations and we don't even talk about, well, what's the core problem? What's the core demands? What's, what's the core solutions? Now, I, I have my word, but I mean... It, well, I think the thing is, we, this has been said to Dr. West multiple times. You know, but at the end of the day, it's his campaign. Yeah, I guess I just mean in, in lefty in lefty conversations in general. You know, it's I hear a lot of negativity. You know, what about what what do we want? You know, and, and I feel like if you if you're focused, so if you're looking, what's the core problem, right? What's what's the with our whole system? Right. Whether you're talking about capitalism or the political system, the economic system. Right. To me, if you dig down, the core problem is you have this very small group of billionaires and 100 millionaires that point that point one percent up at the top. And they're using their wealth, resources and power to corrupt and and bend the political system and the government and and the economic system as well to benefit them. And so that their thievery, their, you know, this wealth inequality just continues and gets worse and worse. So if, if that, you know, if someone wants to disagree with my analysis, I mean, we can talk about that. But if that's, if that's the core problem, then shouldn't we talk, be talking about the demands and the solutions to address that core problem? 
I talk about, I feel like I talk about that every live stream. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, this is, this is least of all directed at you, Sabrina. It's, I guess it's just, um, I guess it's just more generally. I mean, it's, um, it gets into, you know, the, these, I mean, we, you gotta, we have to deal with, with the money we have to deal with, I, I guess like what, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, addressed at Dr. West's platform and even like the PSL candidates and, and all their platforms, they don't, I don't really see them getting into this, but I also don't hear a lot of lefty conversation outside of Savvy Zab show getting into it of saying that, you know, this is the core problem and, and we have to focus on and, and address the money. Well, I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, I will say get people energized groups. about that. Yeah. Yeah. There are groups that do that. PSL talks about those things all the time. When Claudia de la Cruz gave her speech at the Ukraine rally in DC, she talked about that. Like it, I think there are organizations out there that do focus on those things. The one thing I will say, like, some people are not fond of, of PSL. They see them as DSA light. I will say that. But I think the difference is, is that PSL is not trying to run people in the Democratic Party, right? It's, it's a little bit different. Plus, they actually do things on the ground. But PSL addresses all of those issues. They address the corruption, the billionaires. They address like the problem with the two-party system. They talk about the military industrial complex. Like they address all those things um, and they're growing. They're growing like more and more, you know? Uh, if I can interject just a little bit. Uh, when yeah. it comes to wanting to talk about uh, the, the, the core issues, this is one of the reasons why I said focus on the policies of these different candidates. Because when you look at the policy platforms of the candidates and you use that as a cudgel to be able to uh, build class consciousness, then you're actually using that to say that it's not just Claudia de la Cruz or Jasmine Sherman or Dr. Cornell West that can bring these policies to plan, you know, to bear. But it's us that can do that as well as the people. And so this is one of the reasons why I say you use those policy platforms as a talking point or as a conversation starter to get people to start thinking about, yes, we can we can have nice things. And I think that's uh, and I hope I didn't come off of saying that. We just focus on the on the problems with the people, but we also use the solutions that they prescribe as a way to open the door so that people can see, well, I never thought about it that way. Like how many people have ever thought about having, uh, how many people have ever thought about the possibility of having mass public transit free at the point of service, right? Not many people think about things like that. Like I didn't think about actually having healthcare for everybody while paid for through taxation until it was brought up to me about three or four years ago. And so bringing these things up can also be a massive tool to say, wait, that's crazy. Can we actually do that? And then when we explain, we're like, yes, you can. And I think that's the beautiful part about showing these policies to people and say, 
it's not just these people who have these policies, but this is what the majority of all of us want. So why not work together to build up a coalition so that we can push for these things ourselves? I think we need, though, to really focus on. So it's been two weeks. To really focus on the the core problem, like like why aren't these things happening? And these things aren't happening because our government doesn't represent us. Our government represents the donor owners that that funnel all this money into them. And until we we take on that problem, I feel, in my opinion, until we focus on and center that core problem and get serious about fixing it. Um, nothing's really going to change. Well, if you think about it, though, everybody knows that's the problem. It's not something that people just are, you know, blithely, blithely unaware of. I think everybody knows that's the problem. The, I think one of the biggest issues is that so many people, they are so exhausted that they can't deal with the problem because of the way the system is set up. And so we have to give them a way out or a way through so that they can say, yeah, they need a path. Yeah. So basically it's like, it's it's like, okay, my room is a mess right now. (laughs) Don't judge me. But the problem is, is like, I know it's a mess. The thing is, do I have the energy and the bandwidth to deal with it at this moment in time? I don't, but when I get to it, then I can. The problem is, is that conditions have to be made in order for me to be able to have the energy and bandwidth to do it. So I think that's where community really comes in. And this is why building up a base via mutual aid and trying to help out our neighbors and build a better coalition of neighbors can also be that vehicle. But it takes a mass of people in order to be able to do that. It's just like with the Black Panther Party. What did they do? They did the free breakfast program. So, you know, you can't teach a kid if they're hungry. So you have to build that base up first. And then you can finally start to teach the kid, okay, so here's how you do the multiplication. Here's, you know, what automatopoeia is. And this is how a cell is built. And so then you have to build, you have to give them that foundational means so that they can say, okay, I don't have to worry about this one little thing in my life that if I don't have, I could die. So now I can focus on the more abstract things that can help me to, you know, have a better future. So I I think that's one of the biggest things is making sure somebody's eaten so they can think, you know what I'm saying? instead of trying to propose them the problem, be like, so how do we solve this while they're hungry? Yeah, I mean, I I don't disagree with any of that. You know, I I guess I just feel like what's missing is is a clear set of demands to build a movement around. You know, know, I'm not sure how that that happens. You know, I've I've made attempts to, to show, you know, this could be a framework. I don't know how. So, uh, so that's what mm-hmm. I'm. I'm trying to say. Like PSL has a set of demands. Like they are building. Like, don't get me wrong. Like they're not huge, but they're growing. They're bigger than they were like three, four years ago. They're the ones doing those things. 
Like they're the, like, and I will say in reference to the protests, like the rallies and stuff like that, they're very organized when it comes to that. I will say that like they got their shit together when it comes to these protests and these rallies and organizing and bringing people together. And not only do they just do their thing with their organization, but I will also say that they're actually really good at working with other organizations. That's something that from some of the other groups that I've done protests with, they're not as as good at. There are some organizations and some of you in the activist community, you know about this. There are some organizations that will only work with their people. They're not willing to intersect. They're not willing to work with other organizations and collaborate. They're not willing to do that. Sometimes this is ego. Anywho, <laughs> some of, sometimes it's ego. But the thing is, the thing about with PSL, the reason why their events are so large and they have so many people come out is because they collaborate with multiple organizations. That's why the PSL, the rally that they had in New York City in reference to Palestine was so fucking huge because that wasn't just PSL. That was PSL working with Palestinian youth movement, Palestinian um other Palestinian organizations uh, working with some people within, I don't think DSA was present for that, but just working with multiple, oh, Answer Coalition is another one. Like those groups do have a set of demands. So it might be, it might be good to look into those organizations because they have a set of demands and they actually do shit on the ground. Now, I point to a, a group like Socialist Alternative because I should say the same thing. Socialist Alternative does things on the ground, but I think ever since Worker Strike Back has started, I do feel like Socialist Alternative is not doing as much as it used to because a lot of the energy is around Worker Strike Back now. So it's it's the same people. Yeah, I guess I'm just not sure I'm seeing it. Like I'm I'm on the PSLweb.org site now. And I mean, I see a part of our program that has walls of text. <laughs> and I, I guess so everything's not. So one thing about the activist community, I will tell you from experience, everything's not going to be on a website. A lot of these is... groups are grassroots, so they don't have like, and this is something I had to learn yeah, when I problem. started doing activism. PSL is a national organization that has multiple chapters. So local chapters for every chapter for each city. So for example, there's a Boston chapter, there's a New York chapter. Every chapter is going to be a little bit different and has their own thing. Some chapters are going to be more organized than others. But I can tell you, like, as someone who's been an activist and an organizer, the activism community for the most part, and I mean for the most part, not like the BLM corporation that made money off of it, the grassroots activist organizations, not everything's going to be on a website. Some things you're just going to find out by going to the meetings, like the Palestinian protest, the rally that just happened. That was just planned like a couple days ago. Like they, they may not have an event calendar for every event and every this and that and all that kind of stuff. Like they're grassroots. So they kind of like fly by the seat, fly by their own seat. They work with the limited resources that they have and do those things. So I'm just telling you from experience that that's not uncommon, but from what I've seen with, with that particular organization, when they do plan stuff, they are very organized. And the other thing that I would point to 
when I compare the two anti-war rallies, the Rage Against the War Machine rally and the Answer Coalition PSL Code Pink rally that happened a couple weeks after that, who had the most people? The, the biggest rally was not the Rage Against the War Machine rally, even with all the big names that were there. And I was there. But with all the big name speakers, most people didn't come to that one. Most people came to the PSL Answer Coalition rally that didn't have any big name speakers for the most part. So one thing they are really good at is collaborating with other groups. They work with Veterans for Peace. They work with Code Pink. They work with Answer Coalition. They work with the Palestinian Youth Movement. Like it's, it's just a little bit deeper. And that is one thing I will say when it comes to the issue of Israel and Palestine, and I've talked about this before, I do feel like even when it comes to that issue, I think Dr. West gets that issue, but I still feel like Claudia understands that on a level she's, I feel like she's deeper on that level than Dr. West in the sense that she's willing to say, these people were occupied. These people have been oppressed. They have the right to fight back. Dr. West won't say that. Dr. West said that basically, you know, this fighting should not be happening. Da, 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 and I, we get that. He will call it the occupation. He will call it the oppression. But I think the difference is PSL makes a public statement that they stand with the Palestinian people. That's a big thing to do. I guess I just come back to the to this core problem. I mean, what what we what's happening now? You know, it isn't it working. I mean, it's not coalescing. You know, things have gotten bad enough that there are more protests and there's more happening, but it's all it's all just still so so divided, and and people in their different camps and their different issues, and and. and you know, I feel like that money corruption issue could be a thing to, to bring it all together. But if it's not, you know, if it's not out there, I mean, it, it, it has to be specific. I mean, it has to be, you know, there has to, it has to be in writing. I mean, it, it you can't just pass, you know, your demands around by word of mouth. Well, no, Eric, I mean, but Eric, what I'm trying to tell you is I'm not, I'm not like, I'm honestly, I'm not trying to be mean. But what you just said was it has to be in writing. That's not how the activist community works. That's what I'm trying to tell you. The people who are grassroots, when we did the Black Lives Matter protest, that shit was not in writing. Yeah, but it's also people not working. People just gathered and, and did what they did. I think you're looking for something to be a little bit more professional. And grassroots activism is not that way. But it's also not working. I mean... You know, what but it, really but it, get, did, but it does work, but it does work. PLM look at, didn't look work. at the numbers of people that these groups get to come out versus like, for example, Rage Against the War Machine. They did that very professionally. Everything was written out. It was all on the website and da, 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 and all that kind of stuff. But, but there was nothing in there about money and corruption, I guess. Is, well, it know. was a, it was a it was basically against the Ukraine war rally. But this is what and I'm saying is the problem is it's all siloed, you know. But that's, I, I hate to say it, but that is actually how the activism community is. Like, this is why I said this before that like, when I had that conversation with Margaret Kimberly and she said she didn't agree with the Rage Against War Machine rally. And I said, I organize with different groups on different issues. And that's how the activism community works. Like, so for example, 
if you want to organize with someone about money and corruption and just specifically focus on that issue, you might be better off maybe organizing with the Libertarian Party. Like that, it's, it's unfortunate, but there isn't one organization that has every single thing. Like, I think your demands are great. Your 11 demands are great. But I haven't seen one organization that has all of those things. Right. But that's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is until we focus on the core problem, none of these other problems are going to get fixed because the billionaire money and, and the power and all that corruption flowing into the system until that's in, as long as that's in place, everything's going to be shitty and it's going to be an uphill battle and it's going to be infighting and it's, you know, I, I, I guess think- I, and I, I guess and I, I, I don't. You, I don't see it as just one of another issue. I I view no, it as I to, the issue totally on the top of the hierarchy. You, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, all of these organizations they focus on different things. So if you want to just focus, if you want the primary focus to be on the money and the corruption and the billionaires, then I think you'd be better off starting a new organization. I'm just just keeping it real because that message usually comes from a political campaign. So if you don't want it to be attached to a political campaign, which is what like like Bernie had, I think you're best off like starting a new organization that focuses the primary focus is on that. That is the number one thing, because right now there's no organization that I've seen in the activism community that is focusing on that. I want to bring in um, JB and then I'll bring in Zach. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, as far as the corruption goes, unfortunately, yeah, it, it is that way when it comes to having to uh, organize around a particular issue. Organizing the left is like herding cats. You know, you got one group that wants to go this direction. You got another group that wants to go this direction. Another one wants to go out the back door. And unfortunately, the only way to really coalesce is, and and I hate this about the United States, is that we need some deliverer. We need a Moses within the United States. And I think that's... I think that's one of the biggest issues is that we have to have some Messiah to deliver us in order to be able to get ourselves uh, off, you know, into one cohesive movement. Uh, but at the same time, if we can just coalesce around one issue, and I, you know, I would say that, you know, a, a, a group or an organization that actually focused on the corruption and had just a few, uh, you know, very strong points of unity within. And and I I typically would say the left, but I'm not going to say the left. I'm going to say the working people. Then that could be used as a vehicle to focus and change things. And the primary issue that can be focused on is the corruption that happens. And then when you also focus on the corruption, 
then you can also bring it back to, well, why do we have corruption in the first place? Then you can bring it back to the issue of a profit-first centered capitalistic system that we have. But, you know, it's, you know, there is an issue where some people focus on the symptoms of the issue instead of the core problem. I agree. The thing is, is that do we have a uh, a foundation or a organization that focuses on that? You know, I I would beg that we, you know, if, if somebody can come up with it, there's a lot of us do not have the bandwidth or the the resources in order to be able to do that. But could we, you know, collaborate and cooperate? with an organization like that? Yeah, definitely. But I think it takes somebody to be able to form something like that. Yeah, let's bring in Zach. What's up, Zach? You just got to unmute. You're on the mic. Hey guys. Zach. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm. It's been one hell of a day. We've had a lot of conversations about what's going on and um, I unfortunately missed your show because I was helping cook dinner. Um, but I was wondering if, if you covered the hospital bombing uh, and uh, if that was true, it, what information there is on it. Um, I, I'm at your, I, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I did cover it. I, I did cover it. Um, and there, I, I basically said there were different outlets saying different things, but it it did happen. Um, but there were different outlets figuring out who to blame for it. Is it did it come from Israel? Did it come from you know Hamas? That kind of thing. So I I did cover it, and the BBC said that it no doubt came from Israel because of the 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 damage of the explosion. They said there's no way that could have came from a Hamas rocket. FYI. By the way, um, on that note, I know someone said in my live stream that Gray Zone got hit. So I, I did check on YouTube. That live stream from Gray Zone is still up. So I get, I think they're fine. <laughs> uh, no, that's good. Uh, in the past few months, a lot of uh, our YouTube, you know, comrades have gotten channels taken down. Not only, you know, he's not my favorite. I'm not going to go into it, but not only Jackson Hinkle, but, you know, a handful of others. It's, it's really hard out here for people trying to have conversations, which I think is actually the most important and the educators that, you know, tell what the events are. I, I, um, I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine today on Colin about, the history aspect of it, I'm, I'm really trying to get deep into that. So I, I might uh, have some flashcards for you. Um, probably, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in the next few call-ins, because I'm hurt because I know, you know, what the colonial history of America is. And I'm trying to use that context for better or worse in this situation and it's all a real big mess um that's why i appreciate your show um i had something else let's see yeah um 
before I leave, I, I do this every time. You guys are going to get annoyed from me, but anyone who uh, hasn't heard, uh, they're, they're trying to reform the Social Security program and let people um, have more in uh, holdings than $2,000, which is a death sentence. It's called H.R. 5408 SSI. Savings Penalty Elimination Act, and uh, I hope you guys uh, look it up. Please contact your representatives, and um, thank you for letting me speak, Sabby. I hope you guys have a good night. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much, Zach. All right. Um, Roger Meadows is here. Roger, I think this is the first time you're on here with JB. So both of you are speakers. Go ahead, JB. Keep going. I'm <laughs> Good to see you, Roger. Um, one of the things that I wanted to uh, also say, Zach, that uh, my channel got hit. So I am temporarily demon demonetized at the moment. Also, Richard Medhurst got demonetized as well. So this is all happening to people who speak out against uh, what's going on in Palestine by the hands of Israel. Now, uh, what did I do wrong? I showed some war footage, some results of what Israel had done. And that was a big no-no to YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of us that are showing what the results of Israel is doing. Do I agree with YouTube uh, doing taking the measures that it has against people like myself and Richard Medhurst? Absolutely not. Because this is news. And people need to see what's going on on the ground. And people need to see what this state is doing to the people on the ground. The problem is, is that a lot of these corporate media outlets will not show what Israel is doing, but they will show what Palestine or the Palestinians have done. And when you show it, it's really a disproportionate amount because what Israel has done is miles above what Palestine has ever done. You literally have a paramilitary group that's probably like what you would say like the boogaloo boys or the not effing around coalition of black people who are in a little military brigade right versus the full strength of the fourth most powerful military on earth and so it is not equal at all whatsoever you have guys coming in on parasailing and dropping a bomb from their beer parasail Versus an army that has F-35 fighter jets and has a nuclear bomb. This is absolutely not. And so, therefore, for us to really report on what's going on, uh, it is absolutely imperative for us to show the results of what's going on. But unfortunately, because we show the raw and real what's going on, and because a lot of our comrades have to be very gingerly careful in order to show what's going on, then people don't really get the full scope of what is being done to the Palestinian people in places like Gaza and the West Bank. So I think, uh, you know, it is sad that a lot of us now in independent media are getting attacked. And even more so, and I predict this is going to happen. I predict that even those of us who are more careful than others, we are also going to get hit by these platforms as well because they are afraid of the Israel lobby. They're afraid of these different 
Zionist organizations because they want to keep as much money in their pockets as possible. And so this is what I see on the horizon. And until the world really puts a mass movement and a pressure on these corporations, as well as these governments, which may may be a, a, a way that a revolution could start, who knows? But that's the way I can see it being turned around. But for right now, I don't see it. And so, unfortunately, this is why it is important that we support independent media as possible. You know, if you guys are viewers of Savvy, make sure to become patrons of hers on Patreon. So just in case if anything happens, God forbid it doesn't. But just in case, make sure that you do that as well, because people like her need your utmost support. Yeah, and I'll tell people I was really like upset when JB got hit. Not like I'm not upset when anyone gets hit, but it pissed me off when JB got hit because they did something really nasty. They um, gave JB a warning, but then they demonetized him after they gave him the warning, which doesn't happen. Like when you get a warning, you don't get demonetized. So it to me that, so they temporarily demonetized his channel. I think JB has to wait like three, um, three months or something like that. But the point is, the point of a warning is just to warn you. So you're like, okay, I won't do that again. But they demonetized it because it was war footage, right? And I think there might have been video shown of the children. So for those of you watching that do have channels or whatever, don't show any war footage. I think, you know, Eric and I had talked about this one time before. I was telling him that, like, I can't show rockets. I can't show, like, explosions. Like... I can't show war footage. And I found that out this earlier this year because YouTube upd updates their policy every year. And this year when they did the updates, they said one of the things they added was war. And so I looked at the war part and I'm like, oh, you can't show actual like war footage. So that was another one of the things that they don't want you to do, right? Um, Richie Medhurst. I don't know what Richie, Richie showed. I haven't seen his show recently, but so I don't know what he what he showed. Um, but I know that, like for example, Katie Halper. I'm actually interviewing Katie tomorrow. It's going to be a recorded interview. Katie Halper has been talking about Israel and Palestine for a long time, a long time. But I don't I don't think she shows the like war footage or anything like that. But but this is the thing is like. They're going to be coming after everybody. And JB and I talked about this recently because this is why I keep saying, and I continue to stand by this. This is why like channels like TYT and Rising and uh, Breaking Points, right? So they're not, I don't think Breaking Points shows war footage, but they're not going to get hit with this kind of stuff because TYT is an MCN and anyone who is affiliated or a part of that MCN they're protected because they're part of MCM. So what I was going to tell you guys, which I didn't get a chance to do later tonight, what I was going to tell you guys is that I recently was contacted by an MCN. So an MCN is a multi-channel network. Um, no, I was not contacted by TYT. Even if I was, I would never join TYT. But what they do is like they reach out to different channels to make them an affiliate. So when you're an affiliate of an MCN, 
you the main thing that they do is they protect the channel so that was like my main like consideration for it was because they said like the copyright stuff we can go in and fix that the moment i joined with them they like one of my videos had an age alert like must be 18 years old or views content that was immediately removed and this is what I recommend to anyone in independent media, especially those that have smaller channels, if you can, to join an MCN because they can get those things removed. Like this copyright claim that I got tonight, it's not a strike, but this copyright claim I got tonight, I can probably get that removed. But if I wasn't with the MCN, I wouldn't be able to get it removed. And by the way, the copyright, this is what's going to crack you guys up. The piece, the copyright material is only one and a half minute. So it wasn't the entire Russell Brand stream. It was a news clip that Russell Brand showed during his video that Rumble claimed the copyright to. So the warning I'm trying to give out to everybody right now is that it appears that Rumble has blamed has claimed copyright content for certain news segments that apparently appears in the shows of the channels that they have contracts with. So that could be Russell Brand, that could be Kim Iverson, that could be Glenn Greenwald. So I won't be showing like their videos on YouTube because Rumble has claimed that content somewhere, somewhere. But yeah, it's like one and a half minute and it says, Israel versus Palestine, Tucker slams Congress over reaction to attacks. So it was that part of the Russell Brand video that had the, the content ID match. That's how that's what they got. That's what they picked. So it's just it's just fucking crazy. Like all these different platforms are fighting over each other. You got Rumble out here basically like claiming like news clips news clips so it wasn't even russell brand's entire video it was that one minute and 50 seconds the moment he started talking about the uh the the tucker thing um that's what it got so it just and i can always trim that segment out but i might just get like the mcn to dispute that because what it says when I click on that part, it says monetization claimed in these countries. So Rumble is now trying to monetize certain news clips that their content creators have in their videos. So it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a mess. Let me bring in T. Jasmine. What's up, T. Jasmine, Miss Blue Eyes? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, good. Um, sometimes I, I join the line to talk, to say something, and by the time my time gets around, gets around to me, I completely forget. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but one of the, one of the things that Eric brought up was, um, something about a list of, um, demands 
and money being the root cause or the billionaires being the root cause. And I think, or, you know, in my mind, it's just that there are fundamental changes that need to be, need to happen. Laws need to be changed where, um, capital the owner of cap you know you're, you're, i don't know if anybody watched that video that um brianna did on her show with her law professor and they were talking about certain things being baked into the system and i think they went back in history um talking about how owners got certain laws um they were the only ones allowed to vote so it was white men who own property who are allowed to vote and who are allowed to participate in the election and so on and laws were written pretty much for them mm-hmm. so I think what should happen is these laws should be overturned, laws should be changed Law ownership of capital should not supersede work, like there's no way that you should create value and be getting a fraction of 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 the profit. If you work and you create value by law, you should be getting a certain percentage of that money. It should be splitted, split up evenly as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I think the laws should be changed. I think it should be spread around. Every worker should get a fraction of whatever, um, the company makes and there should be something set aside for the companies to um pay for itself and, 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 and to maintain and to grow but people shouldn't be struggling if they're creating value that is paying. Um capital shouldn't be be be, be. so it, it, there wouldn't be billionaires if everybody were paid properly. That's how I see the whole thing. I'm talking about the changing of the law. The laws should be changed that capital no longer, ownership of capital no longer supersedes labor. It doesn't matter about worker co-op specifically. It's just uh, entire laws of the land should be changed. That's what I'm saying. That's my opinion. I agree. That is a worker co-op, though, which you, which you um, explain. It's a worker co-op in, in a situation where capital is still the law of the land, but I want capital to be struck down as the law of the land, and as the law of all lands. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That's, 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 that's how you do it. Yeah, that's, that's how I... And then there won't be any billionaire. Maybe there would be billionaires, but the, but everybody would be the billionaire. Not not one person superseding and owning every damn thing. Um, that's how I see that part of it. If that's an issue, that's why I see that issue. So I don't even see that's all oh, fight for fifteen or five for twenty five or fight for thirty um, dollars an hour. I see it as pay people what you owe them, and you owe them if they're creating value. You shouldn't be taking the lion's share of it just because you own the building. If you own a, a, a hotel and there are people who are working for you to clean, the staff cleaning the hotel and that hotel room costs $300 a night and you're paying them $5 an hour, you're shitting, you're stealing from them. 
Because Absolutely. you're charging three hundred dollars an hour, and if they don't clean that hotel room, doesn't matter if you have you have beds in there. Because to be honest, everybody borrows to pay to buy those beds too. If you have beds in there and you have this building and blah 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 blah, they have to clean that building because nobody's going to come in and sleep in a dirty, nasty place. So they're creating the value still. You have to pay them what you owe them. You can't just pay them um, um five dollars an hour. Pay them at least. $80 an hour out of that. And then you share this, um, the money among the other staff and, and including yourself, you should get a fraction to maintain your, your, your property and, and, and to pay for the ownership of the property. But you don't, you don't take the lion's share. You know, that's how I, that's how I see it. Um, in Jasmine, terms of, you in New York? I mean, yeah, I'm in Queens right now. Oh. Why? I heard a New York accent. No, I'm 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 Jamaican. <laughs> no, no, but a Jamaican New York accent is what I meant to say. Uh, you probably heard a Jamaican Canadian accent, actually. But I've been in New York. Huh? I don't know. I grew, I grew up around Caribbeans. I, I could usually. <laughs> yeah, you can usually tell. Um, but in, in um. But yeah, I'm in Queens. Um, what was I gonna say about um oh the 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 the, the terrorism that the Palestinians are experiencing. Oh my god. It's just it's it's just you know, and the lies, the lies and the willingness to lie on behalf of people who slaughter people in a hospital. You know, and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing to say. There's what can I say? What can I say? What can anybody say? The terrorism and 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 the brute and and you know when I see people who who have the other who think that you shouldn't say it's like they think it's like there's there's some kind of right to do evil and and you should equate the victims with the Holocaust cost. Um, the, the Nazis who, who, who committed Holocaust against Jewish people. You should equate Palestinians with Nazis. How dare you defend them? How dare you say free Palestine? How dare you 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 say pray for the Palestinians? And it's all very it's all very spiritual. I know I keep saying this every time I come on on, on you guys. You know I come on Sabi's. Sabrina's program, you know, you hear me talk about spirituality, but listen, they, the Jewish people, every, the religious Jewish people, every day, every Saturday, every Friday, they have a covenant um, feast that they call Shabbos feast. Every holiday, they do atonements. They, some of them kill chicken or they kill different animals. Some of them don't do the animal killing anymore, but they do other kinds of rituals and they do the feasts and they do the prayers and they do the, 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 the praying over the fire, the, the, the um, candles. And they do all these spiritual things and people don't realize that they're doing spiritual things to protect themselves. And so at some point, there's a boldness where you get coverage spiritually and a lot of people are, bl- even the, uh, the irreligious ones, the, the ones who don't even realize that they're being covered spiritually. Um, but there's a coverage and uh, people think that that coverage will last, 
will always be so they can do anything, but you can't do anything you feel like. Right now, there's something going on where there's a spiritual thing where they're, they're giving people eviction from the land. They're evicting the people from the land spiritually. And if people knew how spirituality works, they would say, no, you can't evict us from our own land. And But unfortunately, not everybody, these things are veiled and not everybody is aware of a lot of things that are going on. And so people are getting kicked out of their land and getting slaughtered and mm-hmm. getting terrorized everywhere they turn and nobody understands what's going on and they think it's natural and it's not natural it's very spiritual and this is why this is how certain things tie back to the bible and and to prophecy but certain things are very spiritual but it shouldn't be accepted it can be changed um uh, you know unfortunately I'm not going to say unfortunately, but sometimes I find myself in the company of people who don't believe because I'm on the side of things that you should be compassionate to people who are the downtrodden and the people who are, you know, the people who are the oppressed. And and sometimes the people who are on the side of where I'm on are people who are also, or who are atheists or who you know, beat their chest that they don't believe in certain things. And the people who understand these things and believe these things are on the opposite side. So they're the ones who can do the spiritual wickedness and get away with it. And the ones who need to understand these things don't because they boast in their their ability not to see and they boast in their ability of to be atheists and they brag and they think it's something to brag about. And they don't know that it's to their own detriment. Um so I'm in, in, a, in a place where I feel like I have to stand in the gap for people, <laughs> for people, you know, I feel like I have to stand in the gap for, because right now somebody needs to stand in the gap on behalf of the Palestinians or else they are, the, the entire group of them are going to be slaughtered. Yeah. You know, um, it's even in the Bible when um, Saddam and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed Abraham, you know, was was supposed to stand in the gap. If he found 10 people, even 10 people who were righteous, he could have stand in the gap and saved the entire group of people because they were, their own destruction came upon them. And what I'm saying is somebody needs to stand up for these people spiritually. Somebody needs to stand up for these people because they're being slaughtered and it's not right. And the fact that um, the president is willing to lie and say, yes, he saw beheaded babies when he fucking didn't. Yep. And he didn't. Blatantly he's, lied. Blatantly lied. He's He lied and he said, he said, we all know that Joe Biden is a liar, but it shows that he there's something about them that wants to, because they know that 50% of the people are children. In the in, in 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 the Gaza Strip, they know that fifty percent of the people are babies, or are under the age of eighteen, or under the age of twenty. Sixty percent are under the age of twenty-four, and they know that they're young people. And he's willing to drop bombs, and he's sending. You know, my there was a time when I got up. Um, my mother said, "Oh, the, he sent another um, um, uh, ship, like warship to to to." to 
to Israel. He sent something else, another set of missiles to Israel. You know, he sent this and shit. Like, they have no conscience. And they're, and he's not fighting an army. He's fighting defenseless people. He's sending weapons fight to destroy defenseless people. And when they slot, they, they destroy the hospitals. They have the audacity to show a video from last year and, and pretend that it's, um, it's, it's a rocket backfiring to kill Palestine to, to, to destroy the hospital. Somebody fired um, a rocket from the hospital. Like, there's just evil on, in the land. And, and why are they calling for the blood of children? I don't know. But something is not right. I can give you an answer for that. The children are in the way. That's why. That's why they want to get uh, the children out. They want them out of the way. They're using children's blood to cover for their own evil. America has done tremendous evil. They've dropped bombs on pe- people everywhere. They've done wickedness and they're trying to use the blood of babies, the innocent, to cover their own sin. Like I tell you, life is spiritual and everything is spiritual and there's some reason they're doing this. They're approving the slaughter of children. There's another reason they're approving the slaughter of children. I'm sorry if I sound hopeless, everybody. Let me let let JB, what do you mean by that, JB? So what I mean is that ultimately it's about colonialism. Children grow up and children will eventually remember what was done to them. So for what they want to do is to get the future generations out the way too. They don't want them to grow up. And then in order to be able to justify it, you have to make it seem like there are so many wolves among them that you just have no choice, but you have to, they're just good. Their type of reasoning is you have to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Right, but that's what they do. Let's remember what Malcolm X said. He said, "If you are not careful, the newspapers will have you hating the people who are being oppressed and loving the people who are doing the oppressing." So right now, what is going on? They're causing people to hate the people who are being oppressed. They're causing people to hate the children, even though they don't realize that what they're hating is 50% of everybody is children. And then most of the people aren't the ones doing the fighting. And the ones who are doing the fighting are the ones that are really just fighting the occupation that they were supposed to I'm sorry, I hear myself. That even uh, the United Nations said that it is justifiable for you to fight against occupation. So with that being said, then ultimately, it's about just moving people out of the way so that you can get access to a land that doesn't belong to you. Yes, it's true. That is true. That's why they're telling a million people to evacuate. They're trying to get the land um, and they're using it as cover because they're trying to get everybody out. They're they're, they're making this their, their big run to use that one little... No offense, but that one little thing, that one thing that happened to 1,300 people to, to slaughter 
a million or to evacuate a million people from the land so that they can get more territory. It's true. They want people out of the way. Um, and no I offense. Just, I just want to add something that was mentioned. Was mentioned. Oh, can you mute okay. for a second? I think you have feedback. Something that was mentioned when the Palestinian network came on to RBN, which is that this doesn't stop with Palestine. Uh-oh, I don't have the door. This doesn't stop with um with, with Gaza or the West Bank. One of the things they mentioned is that the goal is to have this spread to Jordan. See, this is the thing. This this is what I was saying before about this type of like occupation spreads. Colonialism spreads. It doesn't just stay in one spot. That would have been like someone coming to coming to colonize North America and like, oh, I'm only going to colonize like this southern territory, which looks like Florida. That that doesn't happen. Like it spreads. And then more people will come and colonize as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Roger. Um Sabrina, I'm going to kill your little sister. <laughs> you outmaneuvered me. What do you mean? Didn't you say, not doing calling tonight, guys. See you later, I bud. Did. I did because I thought I had a call. I had a call and obviously that the call apparently did not happen. So I was just like, well, damn it the hell. I guess How did everybody find out that you was doing calling? Hmm? How did everybody find out you were doing calling? I posted it on Twitter and I sent it out on my newsletter. Oh, okay. So it's my fault. Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give some good news? Go for it. Okay. So what I was reading before last time um, regarding what Newsom did in California, I'm not talking about the stuff he vetoed. Okay. I'm talking about, um, couple of things he passed. Okay. On Saturday, Governor Gavin Newsom announced the approval of Senate Bill 770, introduced by Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco. The legislation advances tangible steps towards securing universal health coverage in California. It would direct the California Health and Human Services Agency to work with the federal government to outline the requirements of a federal waiver application. According to a press release, all Californian residents will be entitled to receive a standard package of healthcare services. The package could include long-term care support and services, which would relieve huge and growing burdens that are falling on millions of families. Entitlement will not vary by age, employment status, disability status, income, immigration status, or other characteristics. Additionally, distinctions among Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medica, Medi-Cal, employer-sponsored insurance and individual market coverage will be eliminated within the system of unified financing. Um, so that's one. I don't know if you consider that good news or not. I could have covered that, Roger. Um, <laughs> no, you did. You talked about the bad news. You talked about what he vetoed. Oh, but I like to circle back. I, I, well, you didn't circle back to what he passed. Not yet, because everything's been Israel. Every all the news been circled around, like what's happening. Yada 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 yada. <laughs> all right, so I'm saving your time then. Um, here's something else. K 
California passes Right to Repair Act, guaranteeing seven years of seven years of parts of for your phone. So uh, now the California state government has passed a landmark law that obligates technology companies to provide parts and manuals for repairing smartphones for seven years after their market release. Senate Bill 244 passed by 64 to zero in the Assembly and 38 to zero in the Senate. So pretty much it's law and made California the seat of so much of American technological hardware and software, the third state in the union to pass the so-called right to repair legislation. On a more granular level, the bill guarantees consumer rights to replacement parts for three years time in the case of devices costing between $50 and $99 and seven years in the case of devices costing more than $100 with the bill retroactively affecting devices made and sold in 2021. Similar laws have been passed in Minnesota and New York, but none with such a long-term period as uh, California. Uh, accessible, affordable, widely available repair benefits everyone. Uh, we're especially thrilled to see this bill pass in the state where iFixit is headquartered, which also happens to be big tech's backyard. So pretty much with, with this, instead of reading like, you know, entire thing or whatever, pretty much what it is is, um, uh, it's legislation to one, it allows them to corner the repair and maintenance markets. And two, it protects the intellectual property trade secrets from knockoffs. That's what it, that's what it thwarted. So when you have some, if you, when you have something, a device or whatever it is, right, they force you to go to the, the company that made it and they, where you can't go to the small mom and pop small business shops that can do it. Reason being is they don't give them the schematics and the parts so that those small mom and pop shops can repair it for, for cheap. Cause they say, Oh, well they, they they'll have our trade secrets. They ain't no one trying to get your trade secrets. Okay. So that's what this uh, right to repair bill is all about. It's, but is also equally about keeping easily fixable devices out of landfills rather than, you know, like you, you get it repaired, rather than I get a new phone and goes in the garbage and it ends up becoming an environmental hazard. Um, so yeah, I'll put that in the chat. Also, um, I also want to say, hey, JB, what's up? Nice to speak to you. Oh, are you there? Oh, where do you go? Give him a Yeah, speech. I'm still here. I'm still yes, alive. I'm mute. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up? What's up? Yeah, First hey. time speaking. How you doing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was actually, I'm actually, while we're doing the call-in, I'm actually also doing some editing too, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, awesome. so I, I actually was at my um, my great nephew's birthday party earlier, so uh, I'm a little late on getting this editing done, but yeah, so it, it, it was great. And oh, by the way, I saw, I saw a shooting star as soon as I got home. That was great. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay, so. I'm looking at so something that someone wrote. Someone wrote in there about the the bill enacts lengthy process that is at. I'm looking at the the chat. Someone uh, Ben Spielberg wrote something about it. So look at look at what he's putting in there. Maybe uh, that'll uh, show you what the downside of it is. But from what I know, um, just speaking to Ariso Seven, pretty much in order to to do single payer statewide, one of the things you have to get is a federal waiver. Um, 
And all it's saying is uh, this bill allows the California Health and Human Services Secretary to work with the, because the, the federal Health and Human Services Secretary is responsible for divvying out uh, federal waivers so uh, states can pursue their own single-payer health care plan. So that's pretty much really um, all it is. Um, also, I don't know, um, I, oh, you missed this. I sent this to you in the, in the rock pen, um, but it went off. You know, Russ and, from Due Dissonance and, and Jose had crashed a Rachel Maddow event tonight. I'm going to cover it Thursday, Roger. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so, um, also, oh, so, <laughs> sorry. So, 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 JB, are you interested in doing, um, a show with a friend of mine. He's he's on here, but he he doesn't come up to speak or whatever. He's um he's in kind of like the same situation as as you, in terms of um, you know I think it would be a good education to talk about how fucked up the system is in terms of keeping you impoverished. Um, you know he does the whole you know Dallas's thing also as well or whatever the case is, and I think it would be a good education to to um, see how it is in Florida and see how it is in New York, you know, because one of the problems is like, um, I know like Sabrina, you know, like how we talk about if we say, uh, oh, FDR, right? How um, those policies didn't get to our community. Well, mm -hmm. what's never said is it's, the federal government is lazy. Okay. And what I mean by that is they put too much trust in governors and mayors and municipal government. They just give the resources and they give the, uh, the money to them and say, yeah, you take care of it. We trust that you're going to know how to divvy it up. And that's not what happens. That's kind of like what happened with the new deal. And that's what has happened into everything ever since these, these governors, these mayors, all of these people are a bunch of crooks. Okay, that money, you know how when you owe money to someone, you don't give it to an intermediary, you give it directly to them. Yep. Right. So this is the problem. You know what I mean? If I, in, as far as I'm concerned, federal money and resources should go directly to the communities. They should have somebody from the federal government visit these communities and say, hey, what is it that you need? Okay. Instead of sending you know, leaving it to governors and mayors and all different county executives and all these different type of people who pocket it. And, and it, it, they used to plug up budget holes and all different types of things. So the reason why I was saying that is because this is federal money, but the, the counties, the state of the county, like I listened to him talk and he sounds, it sounds like the same situation as you, James. You feel what I'm saying? So I think this is, maybe you could do like a, a show and educate the public what it means to really live on a fixed income and how they try to they try to keep you uh poor and if you get a little bit you like you can't tell them because they're going to get in that too and you know what i'm saying so you know pretty much if i was just asking if you were interested yeah sounds cool and talk about it in fact uh i've had on um michelle mashburn uh, on my channel as well as on RBM, where we've actually talked about being disabled 
And there's, you know, a lot of the factors that a lot of people don't realize, uh, there are different variables when it comes to being disabled that a lot of people don't, don't think about. Uh, like, for instance, uh, there's a, a lot of people who are disabled who, uh, you know, they can't necessarily, you know, get married because if they do, then one person may end up losing their benefits. Um, there is also different variables, like you can only make so much. And if you go over that by even one cent, yes, you yes. lose your primary income. Right. So right. there is a lot of different variables that a lot of people don't think about. And I think it's important for people to know these facts because either one of a couple things is going to happen. Number one, you are going to become disabled or your loved one's going to become disabled. Number one. Number two, you will live until the point where you die before you even become disabled. Or number three, you're going to get old and you're going to need that Social Security money anyway. So it's going to be one of those variables that's going to happen. And so it's better to be prepared to know what we know now because we lived through it than to be caught off guard. But yes, I am definitely interested in having that conversation. You hear that, Sergio? His name is his, his name is not Sergio on the thing, but he hears me. Um, he's interested. Let's bring in. Um, uh, I mean, that sounds really good. I, I think you guys should collaborate, get together. I want to bring in Ruben because I know Ruben's been waiting for a while. What's up, Ruben? You just have to. Hey, can y'all um hear me? Hello. Hello. Um, can y'all hear me? We can hear you. Okay, awesome, good. Um, so, um, Roger, thank you for bringing up um, California SB 770. Um, uh, I do want to clarify, since I live in California, it's kind of like, it's controversial over here because actual CN, um, CNA nurses don't like the guy that, you know, pushed it. I think it's, um, I think his name is Ween or something. Because um, it kind of like, from what I was told, it's like, being Obamacare per se, but under the guise of a single payer moniker. So like, it could be like, yes, everyone's going to get healthcare, but like the, 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 the rate of the premium is going to slightly increase little by little. And it might seem at first that you're going to pay less money and you'll be less stressed, but slowly is going to increase like, the like they're gonna raise the um the the rates of your premium slowly um so that's one so that's pretty much controversial i i that's what i was told because um the nurses here in california um a few of them are still striking um but that's what i was told um so but yeah that's a controversial bill um, but um, I do want to talk about an earlier discussion you guys were having about coalition building. Um, and, well, since I am part German, I'm also part Mexican, like, just the way people, well, a, a good example is Marjorie Green, you know, taking a picture with Code Pink. You know, I just, I, I just want everyone to, like, you know, have a like a base of like what they do not like and demand for something um and obviously anti-war stuff you know i just want everyone to call um to come together with a strong anti-war message 
regardless if if Marjorie Green is in there or not. Um, and something that like Latin America and even Europe, because even though Europe is somewhat individualistic society, it still has a core family structure in Latin America. It's a strong family structure. That's why the left in Latin America and the left in Europe are more stronger than that of here in the U.S. Because the, the, the U.S. is more individualistic individualistically driven and since Abby I know you said like you lived in Germany I th- the left in Germany is a bit stronger because they do care about their family unit obviously in Europe we have well, in Germany we have a form of universal health care and a form of um, hi, um, high education well, u- u- universal high education or universal um, u- universal university education so because like that feeds the family you know that makes the family grow and so I think here in the U.S. people the quote-unquote left here in the U.S. is more like virtual signaling I, I, I don't have the correct words but it's like they if, if 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 a picture arises with someone that is that is not on the same ideological brand as you, but you guys share the same um, core message of you know like the corruption, then people are going to go online and bash them, saying, "Well, you know, I know Code Pink wasn't legit because you know they took pictures with Mark Ted Green, and that hurts the left. You know that hurts them, and it also saddens me because it's like. I really don't care what picture you have, at least if it's MTG, at least she's there. And it's bringing more awareness to what anti-war is, you know, but from the left perspective. And, um, but yeah, I just wanted to say that. And also um, I'm on, I'm on X and I'm watching, um, I'm reading comments of how, like, I think someone from the Hill, um, or a source from the Hill talked um, to the Daily Beast and they ran like a smear piece um, against Brown Joy Gray. Man, and then I'm minute, reading like comments. Man, why is everybody bringing up stories I'm going to cover? Oh, sorry. My bad. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm going to cover that on Thursday. Yeah. They, they trying to come after people. You know, this ain't the first time they came after Brie. They came after her before when she had that interview with that guy. I forget what his position was, but he was a, a State Department uh, mouthpiece. And mm-hmm. he basically, like, he brought up the woman and the children and she rolled her eyes. And, like, he sent all the NAFRO trolls after her on Twitter. And they were trying to get her paid. Mm. And um, on, 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 on the subject of coalition building, um, what... I I, I I agree to um like with what you said. Like I really don't care if someone is to the right of you, but if someone to the right of you shares a few things in terms of I don't know, a class perspective, why not join forces and say, Hey, we hate the establishment, might as well do something with that, you know? And that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from. I think that, um, you know, you bring up a really a lot of good points. And I think that I I pushed back on that code pink stance when they were like, we didn't want to do the picture with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And she came up to us and they didn't know how to react. And I was just kind of like, yo, man, you ain't got to go into all this shit. Just... 
who gives a fuck? Cause like I was saying like, no, your message would have been stronger if you would have just stood firm and just said, look, Marjorie Taylor Greene agrees with us in reference to giving funding to Ukraine and just leave it at that. Yeah. That's, exactly. that's, I mean, that's... exactly. And like, didn't they do it like um, something similar to like um, the rallies we had uh, during the BLM movement? Some people were saying, well, then there's some people in that and like in those movements that like to like, I don't know, um, break into things and do theft. And it's like, yeah, but they hyper-focus on a few small bunches but the main message is like hey there is a problem that you know the black like black lives have been you know you know are in trouble and they're and and they're getting killed in higher rates um and let's let's focus on that problem but yeah it's like it's similar to that they you know you're still gonna have detractors on whichever side and like I said, during this time around, and also like um, during Rage Against the War Machine, I think on, um, Brown Joy Gray had a call in about that, and people there are like um, on, on the comment section saying like, "Well, I'm not gonna like go to that because of this person or that person." It's like, guys, war is like right there. At the end of the day, we're all gonna die if war happens. Yeah, well, it didn't help. I, I will say this: uh, the main person that turned a lot of people off was Jackson Hinkle. That was the main people that turned a lot of people off. Um, some people were turned off by Scott Ritter, but they removed Scott Ritter. But it all came down to Jackson Hinkle. And I will say that, like I told you guys, I have my disagreements with Jackson Hinkle. I talked about this openly on the show recently when I covered the fact that his channel was suspended. And I said, just because I have disagreements with him doesn't mean his she his, should be deplatformed, right? So my whole thing was, what didn't help Jackson Hinkle's case is that during that time when it was announced that he was going to be a speaker for the Rage Against the War Machine rally, it did not help his case that he was on Twitter giving like sexist remarks. He went after Rome, which, by the way, out of all people, out of all of us, and JB, you feel free to chime in, out of all of us at RBN, you don't go after Rome. Mm-mm, girl. Oh, that's the worst thing you can do. That's that's doing the nuclear option. You just do not like do not press the red button. Do not go after Rome. If you <laughs> no. No. That 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 was that was a big one. Like, cause Rome didn't say anything to him. And so it just, to me, it was just like, I'm like, dude, what the, why are you going after Rome? Like, it, it just, to me, that did not make any sense whatsoever. Um, and I just think that like, you know, going forward, I think if we want to gain any type of real traction in this country and get some gains and wins, we have to be strategic. And going after people who agree with you in reference to the war shit, that's not strategic. That's not strategic. So like I had criticism on both sides. I was mad at the people who were criticizing the rally, the usual suspects who attack anything that's outside the duopoly. There are some motherfuckers on Twitter that are straight up ops, straight up ops. I saw them that turn around, you in every fucking party. You a part of brand new Congress, you throw them down the bus. You're part of People's Party. You throw them down the bus. And these not to say that these organizations didn't have issues. 
Then I see you join the Green Party, you throw them down the bus. Again, not to say these organizations didn't have issues, but at some point or another, when I see you start to oppose the outside movements, I'm going to call your ass an op. I'm going to call you an op if I see you're an op. And that just is what it is. And so for me, it was just like, yo, like what the fuck is happening here? Now, it was just really weird to me that there were more people coming out to smear. And it's one thing to say, I don't agree with the people involved. It's another thing to seriously get onto your fucking platform and tell people not to go. And people did that. People said, don't go. Don't attend. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, also, like, 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 like an example in Mexico, um, in terms of coalition building, like the reason why Morena is so popular, like, um, that's the that's the left wing party, um, and it's run by Amlo. Like, they literally call, like, they go and try to work with not just El Partido Verde, but they also talk to the other parties that are like to the right of them and come up with like something singular and core, like something singular that they have and that they agree and they put it on the floor and that's why the left in Mexico is stronger because they're like hey obviously we don't agree with you guys on so many things but let's focus on this and move and move forward and we have El Partido Verde coming in through and so that's why it's like the left in Mexico and and also like in Latin America in general is strong and same thing over in Germany the Linka Partei they have a few demands with the IFD, which is their version of a far right, they're coming through them with like an anti-war message. Obviously, you know, the the, the, the mainstream press in Germany are going to smear them, obviously, but it makes the left in Germany a bit stronger. And even though like like the main coalition with Olaf Scholz is the Grüne Partei and FPD, the um, Die Linke Partei, which is left, to, which is to the left of them, they still say, hey, you know, I, 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 I am anti-war, but I do like your fiscal stance on X, Y, and Z. Let's work on that. And so it's, that's what makes the left in, you know, in Germany stronger. You know, it's like they still go to other parties and just focus on one, one thing that they have in common and work on that. Obviously, it's not going to pass on the floor, like in the Bundestag, but at least it shows that, like, you know, the left is trying to work with the IFD. And now you have the CDU and the CSU working with the IFD, which is their version of a far right, on more of like social issues. Obviously, like they don't like, you know, LGBTQ plus and the 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 um the 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 CSU and the CDU is basically Angela Merkel's former party. So since you have a conservative with an extreme conservative you know coalition obviously is going to pass basically we're going to talk about how queerness is bad like for the family so like they're going to pass a few bills are going to be not so good but like the left comes in with an anti-war message and and that directs it to ifd because ifd they're kind of leaning more towards anti-war obviously because they're going to get smeared but at the same time they're the ifd is also working with um angela merkel's former party too so it's like that's why like i mentioned like whatever you have in common just work with someone and it's you know it's like team building you know so yeah that's what i want to say awesome thank you so much of course of course have a good night y'all 
You too. All right, we're going to bring in um, Levi. What's going on, Levi? You just have to unmute and you'll be here. Just hit the unmute button, going once, going twice, going three times. Okay, we're going to go on to Scotty. Scotty, what's up? Sup, Scotty? Just got to hit the unmute. What's up? Evening, Savvy. Good evening, gentlemen. I don't know why I said yeah. it like that, but what's up? Yeah, been a very uh, eventful last couple weeks, shall we say. Um, I was going to bring up the uh, 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 our good friend um, Jose uh, doing what he does best right now, but like, uh, see, you already got it in the can and so can't wait for that to happen um i do want to talk about um the hypocrisy with the the so-called populist right in terms of um uh what's going on with the is uh, the israel palestine situation which uh it's just call it what it is it, it's it's an attempted genocide right now that's what's going on and um, like, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw Glenn Greenwald on, uh, The Hill Rising. He yeah, said I covered that, that he tonight. Stopped, he said that he was noticing that, um, the, uh, some of the popular, he was, like, starting to find common cause with the populist right on issues of cancel culture. And I just kind of sat there and thought to myself, like, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but, like, I would have thought you would have at least come to the conclusion that that was all bullshit, that with them being upset about cancel culture, a lot of those people just, A, just found a grift to, you know, to milk out of the whole cancel culture thing because uh, they're mad about, like, people... Like uh, shutting down speakers on college campuses, but they really wanted to be able to grip a larger audience. And one of those people being Dave Rubin, and it's odd, uh, it's ironic because I knew that the issue that he was going to expose himself over was Israel, because that's what happened uh, when he was at TYT. If anybody remembers that? big blow up he had with um uh, Jank and uh, Jimmy and uh Steve O and he was defending bombing uh, uh Israel bombing uh, uh a school. I think it was either a school or a hospital at the time. This was I remember that. Yeah, this was in two thousand fourteen. And you could literally see the grift turning like it said that he He's getting, like, he was getting uh, called out on this issue. Uh, he was, like, there was a strong pushback. And, you know, he's complaining he felt like uh, he was being beat up on in that segment. And really, it's just, you know, the typical, like, Israel, some, some like, there's some people on the quote-unquote left who support Israel. Him uh, and Dave Packman being one of them, that uh, 
still let's still support Israel and it's the whole like um uh battle of civilization rhetoric. Like the same stuff that Bill Maher was doing has been doing when it comes to Muslims. And then you see like and I always knew that the right was gonna expose themselves when there was an issue that was near dear to their hearts and I understand like former coalitions uh when it uh, when it comes down to it like uh i'll give you an example and i don't know if you'll agree with these examples but i uh, mentioned them like um i don't know if you know the uh nation of islam and the, uh, the kkk actually were talking about um like back in the way i think it was back in the 60s where they had meetings with each other over a plot of land in Georgia. Uh, where have you heard the story? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, I think even yeah, Malcolm they, X had, had met with them at some point. Yeah, and um, there's a, a documentary, one of those HBO sports documentaries about the uh, the um, not it wasn't the Rumble in the Jungle, it was a thrill in Manila. And I was talking about when Muhammad Ali was with the Nation of Islam, and he was talking about meeting with the KKK when he was with the Nation of Islam, and they and they were able to find some type of agreement uh, over even you know because they I guess they figured that they had the same type of like belief system or or, or like the way the structure and also you notice who always comes together to the establishment and prison gangs like black separatist groups and white supremacy groups uh work together to sell drugs on the yard like like if those people can actually who don't even like each other can find some type of common ground in the case of power then why is it that like certain people on the left can't actually do that well, like you don't have to let go of your principles but like the people who you seem to fight like like they they know how to actually they know how to actually put aside whatever type of differences that they got in the cases of like building power and i don't I don't think that people have gotten to that point yet. You see what I'm saying? Like, Why can't we do that on the left? Simple. Too many egos. I know that, but like, you have to, but the examples I'm pointing out, like, prison gangs who, like, like I said, like, the black separatist prison gangs, and white supremacy prison gangs like running drugs through the prison system. They're able to work together on those uh, on that. Now, I'm not saying that, like, I'm not saying you know trying to compare that to, but like, the, those people understand power, right? Because isn't that in in a sense like you want to wrestle power from the uh, from the establishment? 
is like I'm pretty sure that they have their own type of those people have their own type of guiding principles, but like when it comes down to it, they're willing to put aside whatever differences they have with the uh, with the quote unquote adversary and like come towards a common goal is what I'm saying. So the left isn't willing to do that because there is no common goal. Like what you just said about help towards a common goal, there is no common goal on the left. Part of the problem is with the left, it's mainly led by independent media commentators, right? So even if we go back to Bernie Sanders' campaign, yes, Bernie was the one who was running for office, but who promoted him? It was independent left media, right? So for the longest time, people, and myself included, we look towards people like Kyle and and Jink and Sam Don't Cedar and all them to come activists and, and non uh, the non uh, profit industrial complex too. Don't forget those people. I'm I'm sorry. What was that? I didn't hear. Uh, professional activists and uh, non uh, profit industrial like Black Lives Matter, like um, the. Uh, yeah, but that's not that's not left. Cause see see the problem is like thing is like that's not what Black Lives Matter is still very much part of the Democratic Party. That's the problem you run into. Like that's not really left per se, right? So again, like when we're talking about left, and I mean like actual like people that are progressive, that agree on these progressive policies. It goes back to the people in the media space that have held those shows and had those shows for the longest time that actually elevated those policies along with Bernie Sanders' platform. That's how a lot of people found out about those issues and, of course, the the real truth about Bernie Sanders' campaign. Because, like, Mm -hmm. mainstream media was smearing his campaign, right? So... The thing is, like people like Kyle that have had like, been doing this for like ten plus years, and people like like Jink and like Tyt and all that, like they were the leaders of that movement. Because remember, it was Jink and Kyle that started Justice Democrats. Although there were other people too, which they don't seem to name. And I mentioned this one time on my show how all the other people that were involved with Justice Democrats that for whatever reason are just not mentioned. It's just Kyle and Jink. It wasn't just those two. But the thing is, they were the media personalities that were involved. The other people were not in media. So I think the thing is, is like for the longest time, the consensus has been, let's go along with what these people tell us to do because they're the ones that really drove and promoted the Bernie campaigns. So that's, that's, that's a big part of it. So that being said, in terms of why can't the left just come together and put all those things aside, go off of what I just told you, who kind of started it. TYT was the first big platform on the left to be in this space. And it used to be, there was just like this general thing where if you were coming into this space, then you needed to go through TYT. A lot of these people that you see, you guys see today that have big shows, 
they all started with TYT. That includes David Pakman, by the way. David Pakman was an affiliate of TYT. You had the Humanist Report. I think Mike just recently, I covered this when he recently left Humanist Report. So Kyle was, Secular Tarek was a part of it. Most of those people went through TYT in some way, shape, or form. So the problem that you end up running into is that if TYT is not the one that initiates it, it ends up being rejected by the masses or it doesn't happen. Perfect example, force the vote. Force the vote was initiated on the Jimmy Dore show. Now, granted, people like Bree, um, even Kyle agreed with force the vote, so did Crystal, but it was it was the Jimmy Dore show that actually pushed it, the force the vote town hall. The problem was, again, that you ran into is the fact that it wasn't led by TYT. They were the ones that were leading the left and all these other left channels in some way, shape, or form were an affiliate of TYT or associated with them in some way, shape, or form. We can't say Rising. Rising was never a left show. Rising was a show that presented both sides of populism. So you had Crystal. Before Sauger, there was another guy. Um, but then after that guy... Yeah, Sexton. Then after him, you had Sagar. So the thing is, is that Rising doesn't really fit into that category. But still, those were the people that people look towards for where do we move with the left? Problem is, some of those networks have decided not to even pursue it anymore. Look how quickly Crystal and Kyle like just kind of dropped Marianne Williamson. And now they're just like, we can vote for Joe Biden. You saw the debate with them and Brianna Joy Gray. Like these people just move where the money goes. And some people ain't going to say it like this, but I will. They just, they just move where the money goes. Like, and I've seen other people in the space do it too. It's like, okay, well, there's no progressive campaign that's going to be popular. So what can I talk about now to keep my show going? No, this is why I keep telling people, if you guys ever decide to start like your own show, particularly on YouTube, do not make it around a campaign. Don't center it around a campaign. That is the death of death, especially if you're in the progressive space, because you know, nine times out of 10, the Democratic Party isn't going to let them win. So there's that. And then you have to deal with the aftermath. Now, now, people who came before me, they got lucky. Like status quo, granted, status quo had the on the groundwork. But in the beginning, Status quo started off by covering Trump rallies and Bernie rallies. Okay, what happened there? Both of those people, Bernie Sanders never won and Trump lost for 2020. This is why you can't center your show around one particular campaign. I, I'm telling you guys, I think it's a big mistake. And so these are just some of the things I learned from watching these shows before I even started my show. So what I learned is that it's important that you give people, number one, different perspectives. Number two, don't center your show around a campaign. And number three, you have to ignore the egos. There are people in the space that do have egos. I don't work with any of those people. You won't see the ego people on my show. <laughs> you just... You just don't. I'm not trying to like bend in any kind of way or twist myself into any type of pretzel to make people agree, not even agree with me, but like me. 
If you don't like me, you don't fucking like me. Period. I don't really care. It used to be a time when I cared. As you get older, you just don't care. I'm sorry. So. Amen, sis. Amen. JB knows what's up. As you get older, you don't get, you don't care about these things anymore. Like, so for me, it's like, I think the reason why we can't do that on the left is because there are too many egos. Jink Uger has a big fucking ego and now he's running for president. Jink Uger is not willing to coalesce with any other channels on the left that he feels are not up to his standards. Point blank. Point blank, son. If you're not a TYT affiliate, he ain't really trying to talk to you. If you're not a TYT affiliate or you're not a large channel, and I mean, we have like millions of subscribers, he's not trying to fuck with you. Period. Which is funny because he doesn't actually really have any TYT affiliates left. Like, and I mean, do distance even pointing this out. Like, he... He tried to come off as a liberal Democrat, former Republican, and then hitched his wagon to the Bernie campaign, and they pretended to actually, you know, support uh, democratic socialism for a while, and then, you know, Michael Brooks being friends with Anna Kasparian, and then they hitched their, took the $20 million from Katzenberg. And hitched their wagon now to the whole anti-woke bullshit. And that caused those people to leave. So, and they pretty much, they pretty much ran off all of their affiliates. Like, really think about it. And they just interviewed, they just interviewed Vivek Ramaswamy, which I would have no problem doing. But I think the difference is, is that TYT vowed never to have those types of people on their network. Now, all of a sudden, they're realizing after watching Breaking Points, maybe we we might need to, you know, bring on a Republican perspective, too, just to get the views and the ratings. Because the thing is, guys, like, I'm trying to tell you, like, TYT's views and their subscriber count don't make fucking sense. It don't make sense. If you have over 5 million subscribers, there's no way. There's been times when TYT has been live and we've had, I know I've seen this before, RBN had more people watching RBN live than TYT live. I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. So I don't know where all those other views come in from. Well, they were the very first YouTube partner. So, I mean, and I have to keep reminding people this. They were the very first YouTube partner. So, like, they're going to get that benefit. Um, they're going to get propped up. But, like, I say that with this next election, they're not going to survive. I give it I give it about three to four. Like, they'll be done before the 2028 election. Because, well, that's like, the whole. Go ahead. That's the oh, yeah, go ahead. That's the whole reason why he's running because you you make money when you run and you get to keep that money when you lose. So, like you said, if they, you know they're losing money at TYT, that's what the, him running is all about. However, I want to address about um, you and Sabrina saying that 
uh, it's because we can't get together and so on and so forth. Not, yeah, I might have to take um, a disagreement with that. I believe that people, the left is getting together. You're just looking in the wrong place. I'm looking at some of these uh, ballot initiatives that are getting on the ballot. A lot of them are very progressive. These are the everyday people. These are the people that you don't see. These are the people who are coalescing with each other. I always said, and I will keep saying, if you are looking for your leader on the electronic display screen, you are looking in the wrong place. These are not leaders. These are people who report the news to you. Okay. I keep saying that. I've been saying that since last year. Stop looking to people on the electronic display screen as your leaders. The leader you're looking for is in the mirror. Okay. You live in, I forgot what state you live in. You live in a citizen ballot initiative, Scotty, right? What, Michigan, uh, Illinois, Ohio. something like that? Ohio. Okay. Did you see when, um, JB interviewed um, uh, uh, Cynthia Brown, the um, woman who's doing the, uh, from the Ohio uh, Qualified Immunity Coalition. Did, did you see that? I've Jump on that campaign. Yeah, they're, they're, been, they're putting yeah, that. I've, I've, I've go been, ahead, sorry. I've been work, yeah, I've been working, so. No, no problem. Yeah, but, but uh, I have to check out that video. Oh, you don't even have to check it out. Just just call up Cynthia Brown or, you know, like, just go Google the Ohio, uh, Ohio, um, I forgot, Ohio uh, uh, Qualified Immunity Coalition. JB, JB actually interviewed her, Scotty. Yeah, yeah I, can, uh, I can put the link in the I'll chat. Definitely yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, see that, C Cynthia Brown? She's not like a YouTube person or whatever. She just got yeah. together with some people and said, yo, let's do this. I mean, you no, live in... Go ahead, yeah, sorry. Oh. Uh, but, yeah. I was going to say that yeah. you live in Ohio. You have the ability Hello? to not just place your... Oh, can you hear me? You can't hear me? We can hear yeah, you. Can oh, hear okay. You. I, thought, I thought he's... Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought Scotty said yeah, hello. Yeah. Oh, um. You, you live in a state that allows you to place your own laws on the ballot indirectly and your own amendments on the ballot directly. There's no reason for you to be looking around for, hey, you know, that person over there, that person over there. Like, no, get, get together with your community and say, God damn it, we're going to do single payer health care to save East Palestine. You feel what I'm saying? As an amendment. Do it as an amendment. I always say, when it comes to um, things that you want to pass through an initiative process that gives an uppercut to power, run it as an amendment. Don't run it as a law. Because yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say, I think the point that Roger's trying to make, which is what those of us at RBN keep telling everybody, is like you have to organize with people in the community. The change is going to happen on the local level. So Roger talks about ballot initiatives, right? I talk about ballot initiatives too. Also talk about organizing. Those of us at RBN, we talk about mutual aid. We started the RBN, you know, chapters. 
And no, that's it's not as sexy as voting for someone in a presidential campaign. And it's not as easy as that. It's easy just to walk to the ballot box and vote for someone. But when the campaign season is over with, people go back to sleep. And that's where the on the ground action should continue. So the point that Roger's bringing up is like, people are doing those things and it's happening on the ground. So I think that's the thing is like, we have to get off. And this is the thing too, like sometimes like a lot of times on Twitter and JB and I've talked about this as well. I may post on Twitter and then I hop off Twitter and I go do shit. And that's the thing. A lot of people trying to organize online. They trying to do stuff on Twitter. They trying to do stuff on Facebook. You got to go do stuff on the ground. The protests, like the the events I cover, the protests and stuff that I cover, those things are in person on the ground. Those people are meeting in person. It's not just, let's just complain and, and talk to each other online. And that's the thing. And so I think what has happened, particularly after COVID, I think people have gotten comfortable with just trying to organize online. And I think we have to get away from that because like, that rally in Boston, I saw one post about it on Twitter. I messaged that person and told them, I think I'm going to go. They said, great, it'd be great to see you there. That was it. And then I said, is there more information? And they said, well, these two groups posted about it on Instagram. It was the exact same thing that she posted on Twitter. Other than that, that was it. There was no, let me add you to a DM group so we can all organize together and da, da, da. None of that happened. None of that happened. And this is what I want people to understand because I've tried to organize people before online and they're all like, let's all get in this DM group and let's figure this out. And I'm trying to tell you, these people were not like, let's get in a DM group. They were just like, here's the event. Here's the day. Let's do it. Let's go. And so I just showed up. That's the way it used to be. That's what happened with me at the uh, the, Palest- the Palestinian rally on Saturday. It was very simple. I didn't see, I was not expecting nowhere near the amount of people that showed up. It was a, it smacked me in the face of how many people showed up. And there had to be at least well over a thousand people that showed up in Orlando, which is a lot for us. So for that to happen, that means that they just said, hey, come out. And it was almost like a cuckoo kind of thing. You know, (laughs) that's what it felt like. I I do think that, and what I was trying to say, uh, I do think that there are certain issues like um, Palestine, uh, especially younger uh, people. That's the issue that uh, gets people activated. Uh, police brutality, that's also something that you you, you see people coming together on. Uh, while saying, I was talking about in general, like um, you were talking about the um, earlier, the uh, Code Pink's reaction to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene taking the picture with her, and what I was saying was like, you know, why? Uh, like, I was using the example of like prison gangs uh, working together and Nation of Islam and KKK, thing, like, like those people had some type of common goal, like they were. May may have been diametrically opposed to to each other, but they at least had like a common goal that involved power. And what I was 
basically trying to say is that now I think Michael Brooks has actually said this, uh, you know, before he passed, is that the left doesn't like know how to gain power or seem allergic to power. Like uh, he said something along those lines, and that's what I was uh, trying to say. That's but, that's because, and you know, Michael Brooks like spoke the truth. Like he was a pretty real one, right? I thought Michael Brooks was pretty cool. <laughs> like when 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 my husband and I used to watch Majority Report, like honestly, we would watch it to hear what Mike Brooks had to say. I remember when, my, when yeah, I remember when he first introduced me to Majority Report, and the first person I saw speak was Sam Cedar, and I was like, "This guy, this is really boring. Like, why do you want to watch this?" And he was just like, "No, wait for it." He's like, "The other guy's pretty good," and Michael Brooks was really good. And he hit on a lot of key points, right? So I feel like that show really fell off, like, you know, after Michael Brooks passed away. Um, but I will say that I think that that he had a very, you know, valid point. And the thing is that I, I want people to understand when we talk about the left, I think it's important to realize that a lot of the people that we say are left, were they really left? Or were they liberals that just wanted health care for everybody? Mm-hmm. Because when I talk about what it means to be left, when I talk about where Malcolm X was, where Martin Luther King was, when we talk about like people like Kwame Ture, like where they were on left issues, were those people really left? Think about it, guys. When we were talking about like the Bernie Sanders like movement and stuff like that, they didn't even want to give African-American descendants of slavery reparations in this country. Were they really left? Were they anti-imperialists? Were they anti-capitalists? Were they anti-capitalists? Like, start thinking about these things. Were they really anti-war? I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. I, um, I also wanted to uh, say a couple of things. Uh, and I don't know if you uh, noticed this. Um, and there's the whole thing of um, black men... Uh, more so, not moving to the Republican Party, but I think, uh, like, oh, some of them, not, not a lot, but like a substantial amount supporting Trump a lot bit more. I think a lot of that has to do with, um, the fact of, uh, if you look, and I, I know this is, this is just my theory, like, since the 70s, like, we've had this whole, like, black capitalism kick. Like you notice it with like the uh black exploitation uh, films, um the like like starting like the eighties with like uh hip hop in terms of like like we were we always liked the, the individual capitalist types, right? If these the black exploitation films or Everybody uh, wants to be the H and I C is what you mean. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And Trump and Trump kind of embodied that, like since the eighties. Like, if you, there's videos on YouTube that uh, showed like the number of references of Trump getting name dropped in rap uh, lyrics, right? Because he represented success to a lot of uh, young black men. It's really. <laughs> It's really kind of uh, ironic knowing his, uh, his family history, but like, yeah, like you see, like people like him get name dropped, 
Steve Jobs. A lot of uh, rappers were. I'm gonna you you keep on, Scotty. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna look for that. Let me in now. Let me in now. Bill Gates, Donald Trump. Let me in now. Yeah, I got money to live my friends now. Or or Raekwon uh, Plus, who's the black Trump? Yeah. Don't be rolling like ours. Woo, I got the power. Ours is up. Incarcerated Scarfaces. Yeah, incarcerated Scarfaces. Or they, well, a lot of rappers name themselves after Italian mafia bosses. Oh, like, that was, yeah. Italiano like, got the Luciano. Lil like, Kim? Yeah, yeah, like it's it's crazy. And he, he represented success to those guys and and i'll put it to you this i'll put it to you this way he did do certain things that i i'll like i'll I'll just give you an example if he does something like that appeals to like uh, black men like um small like it could be an issue like um child support right like there's a lot of black men who complain, especially in the black manosphere. If he even just like cuts into that, like he'll he won't win the majority, but he'll win enough. And the problem is that the Democratic Party doesn't speak to these men. They they pretend to actually speak to black women's issues. <laughs> they really don't, but they just like they prop up like certain like people uh and what what you have is like they go to these like outfits like the black manosphere uh some of this the ados stuff and like you get a more conservative leaning like not voting base but like understand of politics like the the whole ados uh uh, cats, you got some cats sitting there saying black folks shouldn't care about the uh, what's going on in Israel, Palestine, because well, that's not our issue, like, you know. Like, and I, okay. I think that's crazy. I want to play this clip because I'm me. Shut the door. I want to play this clip from Lean on Me. Let me see. Okay, so first of all, um. Tell me, first of all, tell me in the chat, can you guys hear this? Welcome, Mr. Clark's East Side. A little yeah. bit. A little. And tell you what we have done in anticipation of your arrival. Ms. Levias, your other vice principal, and I have appointed an executive committee to oversee certain areas where we. You can only hear it a little bit? It's the volume. The volume is not. Let me use the um the boost. I just I just want you guys to hear this part. That's all. Oh, but go go ahead, Scotty. Sorry. Why? But yeah, like um, I think that they the Democrats really are gonna be like they're really gonna uh, like I don't care. I'm not a Democrat, but like there's certain sectors of the left that really doesn't do a good job of circling to working class people in general, but like 
especially the uh, working class black men. And like this is, I'm noticing this like more so online and like, yes. uh, like, yeah, like especially like, um, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I remember like there's certain cats that were watching the Hidden Colors series for, uh, for history lessons. I'm sitting there, I could tell them like, no, like that dude is a, he's a hustler. Like he's not, he's not a history guy. <laughs> Like, but like, he was. Go ahead. Are you talking about the the guy that Damon Wayne's played on in Living Color? No, the Hidden Colors. Uh, oh, Hidden Colors. Tariq. My bad, Tariq. Oh, yeah. got it. Oh, Tariq. yeah. Yeah, Tariq and she. Like, I have to look. I have to sit there and tell. K Flex. Yeah, like King Flex. I gotta tell people, like, no, man, like, he's not some. <laughs> okay. Okay. Shit is. Now, I got the volume booster. Okay, you guys ready? This is this is the HNIC. For those who haven't seen the movie Lean on Me, um, homework assignment, watch Lean on Me. All right, this scene here, Lean on Me, first staff meeting, Morgan Freeman, meet Joe Clark. Listen to this. Everyone else will have to mute real quick. Scotty, you'll have to mute real quick. There you go. Welcome, Mr. Clark, to Eastside. We've heard so much about you. And tell you what we have done in anticipation of your arrival. Uh, uh, Ms. Levias, your other vice principal, and I have appointed an executive committee to oversee certain areas where we have noted a need for improvement. Uh, Mr. Sorella, for example... Let me sit down, Mr. O'Malley. Think you can run this school? If you could, then I wouldn't be here, would I? No one talks in my meeting. No one! You take out your pencils and write. I want the names of every hoodlum, drug dealer, and miscreant who's done nothing but take this place apart on my desk by noon today. Reverend Slappy. Yes, sir. You are now the chief custodian, Reverend Slappy. You will scour this building clean. Graffiti goes up, it's off the next day. Is that clear? Yes, sir, the very next day. Detention students can help you. Let them scrub this place for a while. And tear down those cages in the cafeteria. You treat them like animals, that's exactly how they'll behave. This is my new dean of security, Mr. William Wright. He will be my avenging angel as you teachers reclaim the halls. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. Mr. Zarella. Yes, sir. Mr. Zarella, you are now my new head football coach. Mr. Darnell. Stand up, Mr. Darnell. Mr. Darnell will be your assistant. You know why you're being demoted, Mr. Darnell? Because I'm sick and tired of our football team getting pushed all over the field. Thank you. Sit down. I want precision. I want a weight program. And if you don't like it, Mr. Darnell, you can quit. Same goes for the rest of you. You've tried it your way for years. And your students can't even get past a minimum basic skills test. 
That means they can hardly read. They've given me less than one year, one school year, to turn this place around, to get those test scores up, so the state will not take us over to perform the task which you have failed to do, to educate our children. Forget about the way it used to be. This is not a damn democracy. We are in a state of emergency, and my word is law. There's only one boss in this place, and that's me. The HNIC. Are there any questions? Mr. Wright? The HNIC. The head nigger in charge. So, yeah, I noticed everybody was very silent. <laughs> Sabrina, I thought she was going to play uh, Robert Guillaume. Oh, that one didn't come up. I can play that one, too. Um, hold on. Yeah, oh, wait, can I, can I play the, you smoke crack, don't you? Can I play that one? Sure. Well, go ahead. I'll let you. I'll let yeah. uh, Ben do uh, take my place. So he's been waiting. Okay, cool. Thank you, Scotty. Go. Yeah, that uh, that part is that's an iconic part of the movie. Uh, a lot. What a lot of people don't know is that Joe Clark actually was a Republican, and um, he was very uh, pro police. And yeah, he. They they said that some things that he did were exaggerated. Um, it was to really make him look in a good light. When in reality, there you know they said that there was some issues with how he did things that could have been better. So, JB spoiling the fun. I'm just kidding. Okay, I found. Hold on, I'm gonna play the. I'm, I'm gonna play this, and I'll bring in Bendu. Okay, this is the one where. By the way, guys, if you're listening and you haven't seen Lean on Me, you need to watch this movie. Okay. Anyway, this is the one where the scene where he took um one of the students up onto the roof of the school and said, "You smoke crack, don't you?" So you got to remember, this movie came out in 1989. So listen to this. The trouble with being a teenager is you don't know nothing. The problem with teenagers is you think you're smarter than people who've already been down the road you're traveling. You know what I'm trying to say to you, boy? Julia? Yes, sir. Did you tell your father I threw you out of school? Look at me, damn it! No, sir. Why not? No guts, huh? Afraid of what he's going to say to you, aren't you? My father doesn't live with us anymore, sir. Oh, is that what you're doing now? Go around feeling sorry for yourself, boy? Huh? Go on, get out of here. You're wasting my time. Please let me back, sir. 
I have to get back in school. I can't go home and tell my mom I can't get out of school. Now, why should I let you back into my school, Sam's? Because I'm going to do better, sir. How? By doing my work. What else? And staying out of trouble. What have you been thinking about all this time? Why should I believe you now? Because I changed my ways. I don't believe you, Sam's. I don't think you've changed a thing. Go on, jump. No, I don't want to jump. Yes, you do. You smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, don't you? <laughs> Look at me, boy. Don't you smoke crack? Yes, sir. You know what that does to you? Huh? No, sir. It kills your brain cells, son. It kills your brain cells. Now, when you're destroying your brain cells, you're doing the same thing as killing yourself. You're destroying the score. Now, I say if you want to kill yourself, don't fuck around with it. Go on and do it expeditiously. Now, go on and jump. Jump. No, I don't want to kill myself, sir. You're quite sure about this, are you? Yes, sir. All right, Sam, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back on my own word, just this once, and let you back into my school. Because you're still a baby and you don't know shit. <laughs> so I'll stop it there and just... <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the movie, you got to see it. Uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Bindu. Before I do, I'm just going to say, Fairy side. <laughs> Fairy side. <laughs> bring in Bindu. Expeditiously now, expeditiously. You smoke crack, don't you? Damn it! Stop <laughs> by accepting mine! Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head nigger in charge! Stop by accepting mine! Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head nigger in charge! Come on, now, let's, let's go get some meat. <laughs> yes, that's crack, what he did say you? after that. He said, Where you at, boy? Pull your pants up! Why your pants down? Sorry. Uh, what's up, Bindu? Just got to uh, hit on mute. Damn, <laughs> hey, man. He hit him with the T.I. expeditiously, though. That's crazy. But, <laughs> but nah, like, just um, like kind of jump off of what Scotty was talking about. Like, this this is honestly why, like, and, like, my pops put me onto this. And then, obviously, like, reading Malcolm X a lot. I don't take none of these entertainment motherfuckers seriously. Like, one day, you know, they're, you know, they're fans of Donald Trump, then the next, all of them, you know, hate Donald Trump. I, I don't take none of their words seriously. Like, it's to the point now where I can't even, like, listen and watch some of them anymore. Like, Jay-Z, I can't listen to Jay-Z anymore. Just, like, knowing that, like, this motherfucker has the power to really bring change to his community, and he actively is choosing not to do that. And it's like, I just don't take these motherfuckers seriously anymore. But also, I, I, I will say that I think black people do put a lot of like, you know, um, eggs in a basket of famous people where other groups don't do that as much as we do. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately that's like, I think a fatal flaw, especially of black America. And it's not just with like rappers and athletes and all that. It's like with people like Tariq Nasheed as well. Like, you know, he, he's somebody that my father, you know, follows. I, I, I notice a lot of black boomers, like, follow like people like Tariq Nasheed, Umar and all the different motherfuckers. But like I guess it's because I was raised with the internet. I know what that what the bullshit looks like with these motherfuckers. So it's like I'm like pop, like 
this nigga just built a hookah lounge and is saying like that's going to help our people, bro. Like that's kind of like the thing they've been clowning them about on Twitter and everything. Like, wait, built you know, a what? So <laughs> they they clown him on Twitter because he supposedly built a um he took all this money to build a a museum a Black American museum about like foundational black americans i think that's when he started using that term too but like when people actually went to the museum like they were joking about it like looking like a hookah lounge and shit like that but because <laughs> it's like it's so he took he took all this money like he had like his birthday party there and shit and it's like i'm pretty sure they literally had hookahs there and shit like that. so it's like oh like you built this museum and like this air quotes museum and yeah, thanks, bro. That's really going to help black people. Like, you took all that money that could have been used for mutual aid or something else and built this fucking place in L.A. Thank- of all places, too, L.A. Thanks. But, like, that's really going to help. But um, I have noticed, like, and to kind of go back on the Cornell West stuff, too, like, you know, I'm a young black black man. I know who Cornell West is because, you know, I'm tuned into the political realm. I have my own channel, which, by the way, like, I feel y'all on the Israel stuff because they took down, like, two of my videos on my channel. That's from, like, months ago about, about you know, um, the conflict. But so I definitely feel where y'all coming from on that. But, like, I feel like a lot of people, especially young black people, don't know who Cornell West is like that because a lot of young black men aren't even voting like that. Like, it's mostly, you know, from if I'm correct, like, black women that always, you know, turn out to support. So... I still think, like, you know, in terms of trying to build a coalition and things like that, like, I feel like Cornell hasn't even completely gotten, you know, his his own community and his own people 100% with him. Because then you have, you know, a lot of people um, that that you guys spoke about earlier. You know, we have a lot of young black people, you know, looking more into, like, more conservative outlets to kind of find solutions to the problems we're facing. So, like, when they hear Cornell West, you know, saying a lot of the things, the good things that we agree with them on, well, they're being told by five other people that, oh, well, that's bullshit, that's progressive nonsense. Like, I, I know, like, a lot when I was, like, you know, talking about Bernie, you know, back in the day and everything to my family members, like, you know, my older family members are just, were voting for Hillary or, you know, whoever the, you know, the them is. But a lot of my younger cousins that are like you know a little bit older than me like in their like early and mid 30s they're like oh that's that progressive leftist bullshit da 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 then like a lot you'll hear a lot of these niggas talking about that's woke stuff i'm like i had to look at my cousin crazy because i'm like bro what what political channel have you been watching because no regular niggas be using woke that term woke like that until political people started using it but regardless i guess the point that i'm trying to make is that like i think that you know the celebrity worship isn't necessarily just a thing on the left. I think it's something within, you know, the black communities as well. And I think it's something that we definitely need to like work on. Like Malcolm told us about this, like decades ago, we need to stop looking towards these people to be our like leaders and saviors. Cause that they're the furthest thing from that. So. You might have to blame Would my you generation be hinting for that. towards, I don't know, Jada Pinkett, maybe considering She's come out with all these things about her marriage that I felt like was no one's business but her and Will. I, and and I feel you on that, but I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep it a bean with you. I have kind of a different perspective on it. I think you just got a lot of like lame hurt niggas who's had bad 
relationships in the past that basically want to use Jada Pinkett Smith and frame her to be all black women. You just have a lot of like black men that just don't like women, period. <laughs> like, and especially black women. So like, you'll get like, cause like you see it in a lot of that, like, um, like the whole, um, the, the black alpha male crowd and everything. Like you'll hear a lot of them. I, they're like either talking about like passport bro shit, or they're talking about like, Oh, this is why you need to get you a non-black woman. I'm like, y'all niggas is lame. Y'all just are hurt bitter because y'all don't know how to be men and you know, the things that come with that. So they try to pick certain women and frame them as the entirety of black women where Jada is, you know, not emblematic of all black women in America. So Ooh, you don't want me talking about this one because look, I've seen this and from a gay man's perspective, there is uh with with the exception of present company, there are some straight men out there that do not like women. Yes. But yes. They are attracted to them, but they're more in love with their homeboys. Ooh, I f- okay, I feel you. I get what you mean. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're not attracted to their homeboys, but emotionally they're attracted to their homeboys. Oh dear. So that yeah, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. I ain't, ain't ready for that. But let me tell you, <laughs> we gotta have this conversation, homegirl. I'm telling you. Been do. But oh sorry. But even but even with Will though too, and I feel like again, I think this just goes we're putting pressure on and just regular people on top of that, too. Like, when you think about Will Smith, like, especially, like, when I was growing up, Will Smith was, like, you know, one of, like, a couple, a handful of black men that, like, your other male family members will point to as, like, an example of what black, like, males should be in society almost. And, like, to see all this going on now with him, like, the perception of him being disrespected by his wife, I think a lot of black men are just like, fuck, we can't have shit. And, like... We're taking that sentiment and putting the whole blame on Jada when we're not even looking at like, yo, if you like really hear about their relationship, it almost seemed like she didn't want to be with this man in the first place. It's almost like society kind of trapped her into doing that because it's like, oh, he's a good guy. He loves you. Why don't you want to be with him? And it's like, she's like, all right, well, everybody's saying that. But and that's their business, too, on top of that. But it just seemed I just see like a lot of like. A lot of motherfuckers I know that be on some bullshit, they just be like, they just look for any opportunity to shit on black, like women, period, but especially black women. And, you know, they want to pick Jada out to be exemplary of that and say, see, look, this what we've been saying is right all the time. Like, and it's like, no, that's just the type of women y'all go after. Like, there's good women out there. Y'all just, that's, in my opinion, that's the difference between. I mean, I hate, you know, I hate, I hate to use this terminology, but that's the difference between lames to me and, you know, real men is that men go after the things that they think is going to work for them and be compatible for them. Like you don't go shopping around for a Ferrari and get mad at a Honda because it doesn't drive like a Ferrari. (laughs) That's stupid to think you would think like people are who they are. You can't try to force somebody like to be something they're not. And then on top of that, you can't force somebody to love you. Like that's kind of, like even Fast and Furious got that. He <laughs> said that in one of the movies. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and that movie franchise is so dumb. But like, it's almost like they want Jada to love this man, and like she may not love this man. Like, it just maybe what it is. Hey, hey Bendu, let let me ask you this really quick. 
do you yes, think sir? that it is really Jada is really just a stand in of the traumatic experiences that a lot of these black men have experienced when they were younger and so now they're pushing their their uh, not trauma but they're pushing their reaction to trauma on someone like Jada because they felt in their mind that Will was the exemplar of what a lot of black men wanted to be. Yeah, I think Will himself. I mean, he admitted to doing that. Like part of the, like I'm pretty sure he said part of the reason why he wouldn't divorce Jada is because of the experience he had as a child with his family and living in the abusive household he was living in. But I would, I would even take it a step further and say that I think, but I think black people need to accept that we have different family dynamics than like i mean i'm just gonna put a blunt than white people it's like we try to mimic the white family like dynamic when that was never our dynamic here in america to begin with and it's like i feel like the more more trouble comes from us trying to mimic that instead of accepting you know our differences between these people like i noticed you know like even with my family like my family's more accepting and things like that but like just a conservative streak with a lot of black families where like, you know, I see a lot of my, a lot of like black families like reject their, you know, LGBTQ family members or kids where it's like we've always had these people in our fucking communities. Why, you know, why are we why is this like talk coming from our community now, especially when, you know, a lot of that talk is on the rise just in America, period. But like I'm seeing a lot of black family. I'm like, where the fuck is this shit coming from? Like. You know, I've grown up, you know, having family members that were gay. I've grown up, you know, seeing the different family dynamics, like, you know, the two, like not having a father, you know, married to my mother, but my father still being around. That was one of the things that pisses me off about Larry Elder is that he runs around pushing this narrative like, you know, black fathers aren't there for their children when black, that's, they're the most active people in their children's lives. Like yeah. we have, un, we have unorthodox family dynamics but we still have families like this nigga trying to pretend like we don't got families <laughs> yeah i was gonna say my dad you know my my parents are still together but i mean my dad was very in, active and involved in my life um so i mean like yeah that that stereotype definitely does need to go away um but i'll say but that's this, but that's what the republican the party is pushing right now is that we yeah, don't but, have that. but these people like larry elder tim scott like you guys got to understand, like, they're going where the money is. Like, it's there's a lot of money in being a black Republican. There really is. And we've said this before on RBN for people like, oh, you guys are grifters. If we were really trying to grift, we'd be Republicans. Because hey, those shit, motherfuckers, man. like, right commentators, they make way more money than people on the left. Just FYI. For people don't believe this, but... Candace Owens yeah, got four different white bosses, man, making four different checks from the motherfuckers. That's crazy. Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro, <laughs> Dave Rubin, like Glenn, um, ah, oh, shit, forgot his last name. Not Glenn. Glenn, Glenn Beck. But I, huh? Glenn Beck. Is that his name? Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck. Those channels on the right, because see, the right has more money. They make way more than any yeah. of us do on the left. And by the way, like, we're not anywhere near where the larger channels are on the left. Like me and JB, like, and those of us at RBN, like people are like, oh, you're savvy, you're really growing. Like, yeah, but I'm, 
this is nothing compared to the people who have 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, you know, a million subscribers. Like I'm nowhere near that. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I've been but stuck at under a thousand for the last like two years. <laughs> yeah, like, but in reference to the the Jada thing, I'm just gonna say this: Jada and Tupac up in Baltimore, and I was born in Baltimore. And I'm gonna say this: you can take the girl out of Baltimore, but you can't take the Baltimore out of the girl. I, I've heard that saying before. <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> and so people here come out of me every now and then. that were like, Sabby's getting lit. Sabby's getting crunk. That's the Baltimore part no, coming that's out the of me. Because we, we don't... One thing I would tell you, we don't put up with bullshit. We just don't. You know, it just... It is what it is because, like, you know, my dad talks about a time, like, when he was growing up in Baltimore, how, like, there were all these factories. It was <clears> easy <throat> to get, like, a factory job. You didn't have to go to college. You know, my dad told me the story about how he interviewed for Xerox and Xerox, basically, the woman who was at the front desk, the secretary lied and said he fell asleep in the lobby. So he never got the interview. By the way, back then, Xerox was a up and coming company. And if my dad would have gotten that job, like for those who don't know, Beyonce's dad worked for Xerox. He was making six figures just working for Xerox. If you could have gotten a job with Xerox, you would have been making bank back in the day. So, like, my dad was excluded from the opportunity. By the way, back then, you didn't need to have a college degree to get those kind of jobs. So they took a lot of the factories out of Baltimore, just like they did out of other cities and stuff like that. And a lot of people were jobless because of it. And then crack and coke, like mainly crack, came into Baltimore and then there was the crack epidemic and then it turns into the AIDS epidemic. So you got to understand that like they basically took advantage of people that were already in a poverty state and were desperate in despair. And they said, let's throw drugs into this community and make money off of it. And so what people got to understand is that a lot of people like to shame and, and hate on Baltimore. You got to remember, once upon a time, Baltimore was not that way. Once upon a time, Cleveland was not that way. Cleveland, at one point in this country, had the most Fortune 500 com- companies in the in the country. In Detroit, at one point, I, I was why I did a whole like research thing about this. At one point, Cleveland, Ohio, had the most Fortune 500 companies in the nation. Everything changed when they closed those factories, they closed those companies, and they pushed those jobs overseas. And that's why, like, those cities like Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Gary, Indiana, and stuff like that in Detroit, that's why you go to those towns now and it looks like it's distraught because they took the jobs away. You take the jobs away, what happens to the town? Um, uh, Bendu, so going back to what you were saying about young black people knowing about Cornell West, you're right. A lot of them don't because I, I, you know, I would ask them all the time. Um, but uh, JB, I missed a lot of your show today. Cause you know, now I have to take the bus cause I no longer have a car, whatever the case is. Pretty sure I told you about that whole thing. Um, but I was talking to the bus driver, right? And I was, I was, uh, let me 
tell you for a minute of what is happening here in, in Nassau County in, in Long Island. I was talking to him and okay, the way the bus system used to be in um, Nass in, in Long Island suburbs, so just mostly Nassau County, it used to be owned by the state, what we call the MTA, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, okay? And somewhere around 2011 or whatever the case is, the MTA was saying, well, Nassau County is not contributing enough to the pot or whatever the case is. All right. So this he was reminding me because I remember how this was was going down, because like right around the corner from me is the Nassau County bus depot, which is next to a big, gigantic UPS hub, which is next to Lockheed and Martin, which is next to Hostra University, like and the DMV um, the driver motor vehicle, not the DMV where you're at, Sabrina. And um, what he was telling me was that. In, in 2011, they had sold the uh, the company to, to uh, this trans trans dev trans development and the owner it's a it's a uh, the owner I forgot his name uh, Colt or something like that and it's the parent company is in France. Mm -hmm. I know trans dev. Okay, so what happened was was that it became. They call it public-private partnership. I call it what it is, government-corporate partnership. And and the brother was telling me, um, who was driving the bus, he's like, look, I feel bad for these young bucks who are coming in because they're going to get screwed. Because he was talking about how they had like a, a, a union. They still have a union, but they had a strong union who was who was supposed to be fighting against uh, this, this corporate government partnership and was trying to either try to municipalize the bus system or still fight to be part of the state. Okay. But what ended up happening was the, the union leader, uh, Barbara, something or other, um, she pretty much, uh, uh, took, got in the bed with the trans dev people. They bought her off. She sold out the, 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 the bus drivers and she retired in Florida. And she was telling me, like, yo, we lost all our pensions, okay? Uh, the union is pretty much, like, devastated or whatever the case was. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I know I'm leaving some stuff out because I'm going by, like, memory or whatever the case is, what he was telling me. But I do remember this happening in, in 2011, and he said it just devastated the, because uh, I was, I think I was asking him that because every time... Like when I came back to taking a bus, I'm like, damn, the price went up. So that's why I asked him. I was like, yo, who owns the bus? Is it who? He, so pretty much it's owned by the government, by the county, but it's ran by Transdev. So, you know, these these corporate government partnerships, you know, the, are always a, a death knell. Either municipalize the whole thing or if you're going to have a public private partnership, do it with a cooperative. I started talking to him about um uh, what a cooperative was. I was like, you know, it'd be good as if you guys were to cooperatize this entire thing. Um, he wasn't exactly sure what it was or whatever, but I told him what it was. He said, it sounds, he said, it sounds pretty good, but, but he was talking about how, um, you know, people get, people get deleted for like, if you try to go against the system, 
he's just like, yo, man, he, he said he known people to, you know, like stop talking or stop breathing or whatever the case was, but I know what he was hinting at. And, um, you know, it was, it, it, it's a shame. This is the reason why I say like, you, we have to go past unionization and go to cooperatization. I mean, after hearing what that guy was telling me, I was just like, damn. And I ended up missing your entire show <laughs> because I got so caught up in listening to what this brother was telling me, you know, because he, he's on the verge of retiring or whatever. He's like, yeah, they gave us some bullshit 401k, but it's not like what we had before, you know, that hmm, woman. So, you know, the, the union leader sold us out, took a paycheck and moved and retired to Florida. And we got, you know, stole down the river or whatever the case is. So, you know, it was just, you know, some uh, story that, you know, just listening to people pretty much. That's right. I'm going to wrap up pretty soon here. Um, let's bring in JB, then Scotty and. T yeah. Uh, in regards to TransDev, TransDev actually took over the paratransit company here in Florida, uh, especially in central Florida. So we had one called MV Transportation. They took over our paratransits, which is called Access Links. Um, and our bus system is Ryan by Links bus system here in uh, Florida. I think uh, I think it it might be a public-private partnership, or it might just be completely um, it might just be completely public that that side of the that regular bus system. But yeah, I've spoken about this to uh, the drivers before about creating co-ops and things like that. And a lot of them are on board when you explain to them what a co-op is. So yeah, I'm pretty aware about TransDev. They just took over back in June or July of this year. So they're... All right, Scotty. Scotty? Okay, T. Jasmine. Just got to unmute. Scotty might be stuck stuck in a glitch. Yeah, I was going to talk about um, Tariq Nasheed. Well, you know, you were you guys were talking about um, Jada Pinkett Smith and her husband. And I'm just the way like everybody was talking about um, everybody's hating on Jada Smith and it's possible that um, she's not talking about the treatment that she got from her husband either, because you know he's been with other women while still being married. So um, nobody's talking about him, and I'm sure he's not an idiot. Um, I think the problem is, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's there's a problem with ops in the community that separates men, black men from women, black women, like Kevin Samuels, and there's another up, like Turk Nasheed, to separate the diaspora and to create disunity among black people in general. Um, so I think there's there are ups that are paid from the outside and they create disunity. That's it. I think some, because it, it's not normal or natural. I've never seen it before in any society until I see, I've seen it in the United States of America among Black Americans, where men hate women and women hate men so 
like black men and black women. I don't see it among other groups. It's just black men and black women. And I think it's deliberate and I don't think it's natural. And I think somebody stirred the pot and, and created that out of like an up situation. I don't think it's normal because I've never seen it before in any other society. Um, and that's just, and, and, and then there's this, now this thing where, um, black people in America are being told that they're the victims of other black people in other, like, you know, Jamaicans are also descendants of slaves. And so Jamaicans wouldn't be calling black American food, slave food. Yet you'll hear black Americans say Jamaicans say that. And you've, I've never heard a Jamaican would say that because our, 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 our ancestors were also enslaved people. So it's kind of like ridiculous just hear somebody accuse us of saying something like that, something that we'd never say. So I'm saying, where does this come from? And I'm thinking it came from that, like, guy who is there to stir up, to stir, like, you know, unity strength. And, and if I can fight for you and you can fight for me and we can fight for each other's causes, somebody can come in and say, no, 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 you are by yourself and everybody hates you and everybody wants to stomp on you and blah, 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 blah. And I just think that's the whole thing with Tariq Nasheed and Kevin Samuels. That's how I think about these two people. Am I hearing myself? Nobody's responding. Um, Kevin Kevin Samuels passed away, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, he did? He passed, okay. I think, like, sometime last he passed year. away earlier this, I think it was earlier this year. That he passed away. But that's but that's not just him because um there was another guy. JB, you probably know because you'd be on Facebook up in the Kate or something. There's another guy. There's a Tate T A T E Tate guy. He's from England, I think. Well, you know, well let me finish. No, this guy's American. Oh, okay. There's there's another guy, a black guy. Um, he posts on Facebook. I think he has a YouTube channel too. And he's always talking about how, what black women are doing wrong. He's kind of like Kevin Samuels, but, um, one of my friends like mentioned him to me one time and she said, this guy gets on my fucking nerves. I remember her saying that. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I can't remember this guy's name, but he does a similar thing. Yeah. I saw, I remember in the early days, um, of YouTube that when I first, like, you know, I've been on YouTube for a while. And in the early days before all these podcasts came up, there was this per pe person, this this black channel that the black guy, they would just shit on black women. Um, and like I said, that was the first time I've ever seen it. I've never seen it. Like, I've never seen it among any other group. And it was a, like a culture shock to me that black people and, you know, black men would speak about black women that way and black women would vice versa speak about black. Like it's, I've never seen it before. And I know it can't be normal. Somebody, somebody paid somebody to do that. I'm telling you. I've, I'm sorry. I've, I've seen it be normal. I've seen it be normal in my everyday life when I was growing up. Oh, <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe it's just something I'm not used to then because I grew up in Jamaica. No. Nope, I remember all of that. I remember all of it. Some of the same things that Kevin Samuel said and other people said. I remember hearing those things when I was growing up. A lot of negativity 
about black women and it still happens. And I called this out a couple days ago um, on RBM. I actually had jumped into a stream. Can you meet for just a second, Jasmine, you have feedback. I jumped into a stream um, and um, I think CJ was hosting and it went to a tangent, but I, I went off topic for a second and I said that it is really unacceptable to me the way that people treat me on RBN versus the men. And people are really nasty to me on RBN. Like when I do my own like solo show on RBN, I get a lot of negative comments. Um, and I don't mean like you didn't do your research or anything like that. Like that shit I can take. That's constructive criticism. I'm talking about like personal comments, people talking about my hair, my face, the way I look, that kind of thing. And I made it very clear. And I said, they never, I said, you guys never talk to the men on this network like this ever. And I see that shit and I'm gonna call that shit out. And I said, you guys like, and, and I see the difference. And I see the difference. It's not just me, because if you go on to rising and you look at the comment section, most of the negative comments are towards Brie, not Robbie, even when Robbie is wrong. Same thing. You go to Kim Iverson's channel, which she has a big following, but you go to her channel. I've looked at her on YouTube. I looked at her on Rumble. Very nasty comments about Issues that have nothing to do with the stories that she discussed on the show. Just personal shit. Very nasty. Very nasty. Same thing with breaking points. A lot of the nasty comments towards Crystal sometimes is on the issues, but sometimes it's just personal shit. Like that's kind of, they don't make those comments towards the men. You know, I don't see comments towards the men like brush your hair. Or, oh, you look like this today. You look like that. Those comments are usually directed towards the women. And particularly if you are a black woman, this face is incredibly hostile towards you. That's why I told you guys, I used to in the beginning. I don't do this anymore. That's why I told you I don't read my comments. So you guys should know if you see uh, uh, my face commenting on something and it doesn't say my channel name, that's not me. Those are other people, and they've been doing this to other channels too. They've been copying their profile picture and using their profile picture and responding and saying, message me on Telegram, and it's all a scam. They get you to message them on Telegram, and they ask you for money, and they say you're going to get a gift. You're not going to win anything. I would never, first of all, I don't do that. I don't do giveaways, none of that shit. None of that. So they've been doing this. Not just with me, but with other channels as well. But the thing is, is like, that's why I don't read the comments because there's a lot of negative, like it'll be racist shit or sexist shit. A lot of those kind of things. And, or it's the opposite. It's someone like, you know, like stuff like, can you go out with me? Or mm -hmm. if things don't work out with your husband, can we get together? Like I'm like, what the fuck is this? This ain't no damn merry-go-round, motherfucker. Savvy, I just want to say I can corroborate this because I've even seen people in your chat going, oh, my God, Savvy's so pretty, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, keep it in your pants and keep it offline. And uh, I, it's just it's, it's sad because uh, and, and anybody who has any tinge of any 
thing uh, that is outside of the realms of what they think is masculine, they'll attack. Like, for instance, I had somebody attack me for saying that I was too dramatic on RBN. So if they did that to me, I can't imagine what people like Savvy and Bree and all the other women go through. It's, It's ridiculous. That's why I don't read the comments. This is exactly why. How, out of that percentage, what what percentage, what percentage would you say are women? Because because I I usually notice that the one that go after women all the time are usually other women. I don't know if they're women or not. I only know what their name says they are and the picture that they choose to. Mm-hmm. Select as their profile picture. No, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I, of course, the ones that you just said were definitely not women. Can you go out with me and all that different type of stuff? But a lot of times, I usually find that women are usually the the most vicious when going after women. Yeah, that happens too. I think it's males. Right about that. I think it's males that are doing that, especially on Bree's channel. It's it's usually males, and and, and sometimes it's racist males too. I used to see it on TYT when there was a black co-host on it, and they would just oh my god, they would go after the black woman, and they would just go like tear through her. And it's the same way um, on on you know on um, on Twitter. So sometimes. I'll have to do the mis- like anti-misogynoir thing and get in and fight <laughs> on behalf of Brie or any other females that like, you know, Sabi or something. You know, I, I'll get in and I'll do the fighting because I, I've seen it. I've seen the, the misogyny. Um, so, yeah, people. And it's not, it's even, it's even institutional. I didn't realize that there, it was official that you get paid less as a female if you're doing the same job as your male counterpart i didn't real until i came to north america to live i didn't realize that when you work and you're doing the same job you get paid less yes thing yes because there's the whole maternity maternity like the assumption that you're going to have kids right so that's factored in as well and by the way this happens in higher ed too, because me and my coworkers before all of us quit, um, we <laughs> the, we talked about how much we were making, and what we found out is that the men in our department who had less experience than we did, they were still offered more than we were, and we had more experience and we had advanced degrees. So yeah. Hey, hey Savvy, can you hear me? I think it should. Somebody could um, file a lawsuit and and turn the whole shit over because it's not right. There are single women, families, some women have to take care of their children on their own. Why should they get less? Why should I be paid less for the same? And sometimes I'm doing even more work. Why should I be paid less than the other guy, than some other guy? Like, it's not right. There's also the assumption that because you're a female, you're going to have kids. Like, that's that's not fair. Um, but go ahead, uh, Scott. Oh, yeah. I was trying to see if anybody else can hear me. Um, was the, the the guy's name Tommy Sotomayor that you were talking about? I think so. I, I remember, yes. 
he's the first person you yeah. saw on YouTube who went after black women. Yeah, he he yeah, he was one of the uh another guy back in the day that I remember uh and this goes way like like late two thousands, his name uh Sergeant Willie Pete. Like if you actually uh, a lot of the older like pre black manosphere types, they the funny thing that they did is um and this still happens till this day that they don't actually show their face. And Tommy Sotomayor was like one of the first ones to actually show his face, but he was like really, really virulent about it, and he he pretty much made a career uh, of for over a decade of uh, like just talking shit on black women, and but yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, and also like what I was saying earlier. Um, I think that uh, part of the left made a mistake by not reaching out to like a particularly young men and young black men to where they're now looking for solace in these manosphere uh, spaces that don't really give them good information about dating. And a lot of them are like socially awkward guys who maybe had a bad breakup or weren't that good with women or like, like uh, just take a look at Kevin Samuels. Like, a guy like Kevin Samuels, he wasn't, like, he actually was getting clowned in that space like years prior. Like, he wasn't, like, really well known until he, like, he had, like, a, a gave himself a makeover and then start talking shit about black women. Like there's that there was that whole video of um your average at best. And then he got popular during the pandemic and like one thing led to another, he almost like made it mainstream. Um, and like this shit actually like like goes over to like like to to the discourse. And so and I think part of that came from like the whole, because there was, it, part of it is uh, like uh, how hip hop was in the 90s, where like part of it was, you know, the whole bitches and hoes rhetoric. But also, uh, the, if you listen to like some of these manager guys, they said that they were responding to some, uh, to like stuff like the color purple in the 80s. Uh, like certain black uh, feminist literature or um, like there was uh, movies like um, Waiting to Exhale. Like there was like a, a, a quote unquote niggas ain't shit discourse. If you, if you remember what I'm talking about, like some of them even say stuff like um, no scrubs by TLC. That was another thing. Like, Scrub is a guy that thinks he's fine. Yeah, he's also like, known as the buster. What? No. JB and I had a whole show about that. JB and I had a whole show about how we looked back on it and we were like, well, damn. TLC was saying that basically if you didn't have a car and you were in the passenger seat, that you were a fucking scrub. And we, we had to like go back and think about that. Oh, I thought in real time. I'm like, 
That's why I was. That's why I was like, uh, 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 what's it? Um, uh, the pigeon song. Mm-hmm. Sporty thieves. Sporty thieves. But there was yeah, also a song called Chicken Heads. There was mm-hmm. also a song yeah, I remember called Chicken Heads. I remember that. I'm just saying. But to, Scotty, to you was what you said before about no, no, my bad. What Ben Do said before about uh, what do you call it? Um, looking to celebrities or whatever, uh, uh, rappers or whatever. I think that started with us in the eighties because we didn't really have any leaders. Um, Mm -hmm. But what we did have, we had the KRS ones and we had the public enemies and we had the X clans. So those were pretty much our leaders. I mean, other than that, you know, like it was Al Sharpton, but that was about really it. I mean, there was Jesse Jackson, but it was like, ah, Jesse, it was, seems like a, what's that word? A, a, a gap, a generation gap, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he, a generation gap. Right, yeah. So all, all we really had, so I think that's how it is that we got on to the looking toward uh, rappers as, as uh, 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 leaders and so on and so forth. But what ended up happening was when we got into the 90s, they got pushed out to make room for you know, the, the puffies and all that. If you Gang, ever, no, gangster rap came first. That true, true, that, that, that true. However, if you ever look, if I don't know if you guys remember, uh, blase, 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 yeah. MC. Danger. Outlaw. Right. When the East is in the house. Oh my no. God. Danger. Right. Danger. Um, look at on YouTube. There is a, a video, a, a little mini documentary. Of because he was down with because they were from uh, Brooklyn. So if anybody remembers like Stetsasonic, they were from Brooklyn. It was an eighties um, um, hip hop group and They're a band like the first yeah. hip hop band. Yeah, they they say band, but I mean a band is playing instruments. I always hated like you know what I'm saying. But anyway, um, when this before like you have to take a look that boot camp click, uh, Biggie. Um, uh, Blase Blase. Um, who's the other guy that remind me of Blase Blase? Uh, what's his? J. Rue the Damager. Uh-huh. They they all came kind of like out of the same neighborhood, so to speak, or at least they were in the same studio or whatever, whatever the case was. I'm going to need you guys to hook up oh. and combo because I want to make sure Tiffany has a chance to chat. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Um, Tiffany just got to unmute. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you? Finding you. I just wanted to jump in real quick about the Kevin Samuels thing. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers when he first started off, he didn't start off talking crap about women, which was really funny. His last show before he started that, he said, I am not getting enough followers. If I shit on women, then all you niggas will start watching me. That was his exact words. Then he did, yes. Then he did a whole makeover because he used to look scrubby at first. He was not dressed to the nines before. And you can look it up because those shows are still on YouTube. He did not start off the way that it was. He was telling women to beware of, you know, 
kookies and all this and that, it did not start off the way it was in the end. He niched it out, like, you know, because he saw that he wasn't getting the crowd he wanted. I think he saw the vulnerability in young men and men in particular. And he was like, hmm, I can I can bank off of that. And it's sad because the sad part about it is, is you have a lot of young. I have I have two daughters that are 25 and 23. And my daughter, she was like, Ma, if I didn't have my boyfriend, like I listen to my friends who date, you know, when just started dating. She's like, like the dating pool is like a like a, a public bathroom. It's so pissy. Like, you know, a lot of men. <laughs> These young men follow what he said, you know, and it's really sad because it's, it's, it's the, it's the disrespect, you know, and like I I sat her down, I sat her friend down that she was concerned about. And I told her, I said, listen, that's, you know, when a person acts like that, it has nothing to do with you, but it's a reflection of what they're lacking, you know? They're lacking something within because for you to fix your mouth to be as disrespectful as a lot of these men's spirit um, podcasts are against women, the person that brought you here, um, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous to me, honestly. And I just look at it like with a side eye, like, wow, how did you get here? Because I don't think your daddy could have brought you here by itself, you know? Um, it's just really sad when I, when I watch it or when I see it or even hear people repeat some of the things that, um, they say. And, and I had to let a young man know, I'm like, you know, he was, you know, quoting Kevin Samuels, you know, all these women going to die alone. And I say, I'm a nurse and more men die alone with nobody visiting them than women. So if you really want to know the facts. It's going to be you, bruh, not her. It's going to be you, bruh. Trust me. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. And um, JB, I'm going to bring you in one more time before we head out, because um, one of the things we were going to talk about is that whole situation with um, uh, Kelly, the young woman who said, don't listen to me because... I'm over 40 now and it's harder for me to find like a guy. Remember that JB, we we're going to talk about that. And I know like I, I was in DC and all that jazz. I didn't get to watch that yet, but yeah, there's, um, there was a whole lot of hoopla about that. Yeah. She's being criticized a lot because, um, she was just basically like, like, yeah, don't listen to me. Don't do that. And people are like, Nah, dude, like you told us to do that. And yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Roger. Remember we were talking about the Ebony K? Huh? Ebony K you're talking about? Ebony K, yes. Ebony K. Um Yeah, she switched up real quick. Yeah, but but one thing I do just want to say is this as as a female, okay? And for and for the dudes in the chat. One thing I want to say is this is like we don't have that much time. <laughs> I don't I don't really know how else to phrase it, but we don't have that much time. If we go to college, we go to undergrad, graduate four years, 22, and then 
we start our career. Well, this is how I did it. I started my career. And then it was like, if you had to move up, you wanted to move up, you had to go to, to get a graduate degree, right? So you had to go to get a master's. So you got to go back to school and you got to go to grad school and, you know, get that, that graduate degree in order to move up. And I did all those things. But what I'm saying is, is by the time you do all that, especially if you're in grad school, like next thing you know, you're almost 30. Or you may be 30 or older than 30. It depends when you get to go to grad school, right? Then it's like in the midst of all of that, you still have to find the right person, not just you have to find someone to have a relationship with because you can find anyone to have a relationship with. That's easy. You can have a relationship with someone that you don't really want to have a relationship with. That's not difficult. What's difficult is finding your soul mate. That's not easy, right? So there's all that. Like you, you... I'm just going to keep it real. You can't have a kid by anybody. Some motherfuckers are crazy. Let's just keep it real. So then there's that. And then it's like, there's like, okay, you finally get to the point of your career where you feel like you can financially commit to starting a family. Then you get to that point and then it's like, okay, now what age are you? So again, Like I'm saying, like, we don't have that much time. Guys can still do this. They can still pursue it, like, later on. But for women, we really don't have that much time. And that's what's very difficult. And I think that's what people don't understand. So it's like, we're we're expected to start a career, find our soulmate, have the degrees so that we can still get and obtain that career but then also in order to advance get an advanced degree to do that as well and this is the difference between myself and my parents and my grandparents my mom didn't have to do that my grandmother didn't have to do that so we are in a different time and I think that's what I want people to understand is like it's much more difficult for us now Now, I don't know the whole history behind Ebony K, but if she was doing that path where she was trying to be like, let me get my career so I have the money and the stability to actually have a family, that could have been part of the problem. But like I said, like it's it's much harder now than it was 15 years ago. Uh, Go ahead, Roger. To see more women turn away from the career path and are like, oh, later for this, I've had it with this and are just becoming um, housewives or re-embracing. What more women? Where? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, oh. I'm just, I'm not saying, I've just been seeing it pretty. I've been seeing women are, are like, you know, or at least would rather. Um, but one of, you, you got me thinking for for a minute is that you can't do that because you need a two-parent household. I mean, a two-parent, both parents working, you know what I mean? Because they made everything so expensive. 
And I think a lot of that, where you got both parents working, that caused childcare um, child uh, prices or costs to go up because when the kids come home, there's nobody there or whatever from home from school. There's nobody there, uh, you know, like not like how it was back in the days where you had parents stay home. It was usually the mom. Okay. I think also this has caused um, the healthcare crisis because just think about, just think about it for a second. You come home from work. You don't really feel like cooking like a home cooked meal or whatever the case is. So instead you have like, you know, instant this, instant that. This all started in the eighties with what we would call the generation X, the latch key generation. That meant that you had your house key around your neck because when you got off of school, your parents weren't home, they were working. You know what I mean? So what happened was that whole processed food thing and, and all of that, it started to rise. I mean, the microwave oven took off in the eighties. You see what I'm saying? And then you're eating all this processed food and so on and so forth. Decades later, you have these healthcare cri uh, crisis where people was more healthier back when you can live on one parent working. Like you could have raise a family on just one parent working. So when the kids came home from school or whatever the case is, they had a nice home cooked meal, not like instant this, instant that. You know, I would probably say shopping around the outer perimeter of the supermarket went down probably in the 80s. And in the inner aisles, well, the process instant this and instant that, that most likely went up, you know, with all these little things that you can't pronounce that's in your food. You feel what I'm saying? So a whole bunch of sodium and, and fat, this and this and that. So I think that contributed also with, with both parents having to work, I think that contributed to our healthcare crisis because they were no longer getting home cooked meals. I think another thing that, that, that happened, because I've, I've seen, I'm just going through like personal experience that I've seen. A lot of teenage pregnancies happen in the eighties also, because when the high schoolers came home from, 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 from school, the parents were not home. Okay. Parents are not getting home until seven o'clock or whatever the case is. You feel what I'm saying? You got a parent home. That's less likely to happen. You know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm just going through really just like life experience or whatever and seeing how things changed and so on and so forth. So, you know, that's what I've seen. That's what my experience is. Yeah. I'm just going to say some of us millennials were latchkey kids too. Like my parents weren't home either. Like, I mean, I had to do my homework and stuff like that. I mean, like, well, I take that, take that back. Like when I was in elementary school, my mom was at least there. Like my, my dad was at work. My mom was home. My mom still worked, but she was at home, but my mom stopped working when she had me. And then she went back to work when I went to school. But mm -hmm when I came home, my mom was still there. Like, so, however, as I got older, like, you know, I had my key to let myself into the house. I went in and did my homework and that kind of stuff. The teen pregnancy thing didn't, wasn't an issue with me because my dad was in the military and my dad would kick ass. 
So I already knew, like, y'all don't understand. Like, my parents were strict as fuck. Like, my dad was just like, oh, hell to the no. Like, my, listen, if there was one person you did not test, you did not test my dad. And, like, I was a tomboy growing up. So, like, I had a lot of, like, male friends. And, like, my dad just saw all boys as evil. <laughs> and so it was worse than people were like oh it was like meet the parents no it was worse than meet the parents my dad thought all boys were evil this guy i remember i was in high school and um brian dropped me off home one day after school we stayed we actually had to hang out after school for a key club meeting right so we were there for key club and afterwards i was just gonna like ride home with a friend of mine but she left earlier because she got sick and Brian was like, I'll just take you home. You got to call your parents. I was like, all right, cool. Brian took me home. We pulled up to my parents' house. My dad was standing on the front steps. Okay. Now, he already knew I was on my way home. <laughs> he already knew. He was standing on the steps. And then what made it worse, Brian got out the damn car and shit. And I was thinking to myself, like, Brian, don't get out of that car. Brian got out the car. Because there was a flyer on his front windshield. So he got out the car and he was like, oh, someone's giving me a car wash thing. And he was getting it off his windshield. And my dad was like, who are you? And I was like, fuck. I was like, here he goes. And he was like, oh, hi, Mr. Mr. So-and-so. I'm Brian. And my dad was like, why are you driving my daughter home? And he was like, well, because I was like, dad, I told you that he was like, yeah, I know what you told me. I'm asking him. So I'm just going to keep it real. Like, people weren't too fond of my dad. Because he was just, he was military. And he was like, I was like, Dad, you can't treat everyone like they're a soldier. You, just, you can't do that. Like, Brian is not a soldier. He's a high school student just like me. Like, <laughs> it was just weird. Anyway. I wasn't saying was, that. I wasn't saying that you weren't latchkey kids. I was saying it started with us. Oh, mm. go ahead, Jay. We- yeah, I had to get going because I have to be up in two hours for dialysis and I haven't went to sleep yet. So uh, I got to go. I-, I have Sergio contact you. Yeah. I got to go um, too. It's past my time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, thanks for a lot for having me on. Um, and yeah. I'll, I'll try to do this again uh, when I have time. All right, guys. All right. Heading out, guys. Thanks for joining. Bye. Later. Bye.